following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Outside Blitz. I am your host, The Fan. Fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, uh, the wonderful Cannonball, Alex Steele. Who Join- goes to Cannonball? Your boy's back in business. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, we're, we're, I'm happy to have you back. Two weeks, man, without you. Where the hell you been? It's about time. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, the Christmas season comes up and your boy goes missing. I don't know what I don't know what happened there. Yeah, the holidays got a little crazy this year. Uh, you know it and I know it. I mean... For me, babies, I know you got a lot of area to travel where you're at when you when you go over to the family's house or whatever. You're driving all over the place. So busy, busy time of year. But we're back on board. We're nearing the end of the season. Uh, week 16 in the books. Um, we, we've got all kinds of good shit going on today. Uh, the playoffs are right around the corner of the, the most wonderful time of the year, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, Wild Card Weekend is still one of my favorite weekends of the year. I, I get fired up for Wild Card Weekend. I get fired up for Division Around Weekend. I think both those day, both like those weekends where you have two days worth of football. Yep. You know that's it's that's not, it's not, nothing better. Yeah, that's the jam, and you can really focus in on each game. You know, they don't. They, it's almost like every game is a prime time game, which mm-hmm. which makes it really special. Um, but we we do have all kinds of shit going around around the league. We got scores to jump into. Alex, are you ready to jump in and get down to business? Let's do it. All right, folks. And with that, here are your scores for week 16 in the NFL, starting out with the Jags and the Jets. The Jags dominate the Jets here, uh, 19 to 13. It was a low-scoring affair, but the Jets just had nothing. I don't understand the logic of putting Zach Wilson in this game. I understand Mike White was hurt, but if I had the choice... I would be putting in Joe Flacco over Zach Wilson. Alex, what do you think? Well, here's the deal. I mean, it, 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 it's obvious that you know halfway through the game, Zach Wilson gets pulled, and then Chris Streveler, you know, comes in, goes ten for fifteen for only ninety yards. Uh, you know, the rushing game was not there. I mean, Chris Chris Streveler is your leading rusher for this game. Nine carries for fifty-four yards. Michael Carter two for six. Ty Johnson two for seven. And Zondervan Knight had six carries for a net total of minus two yards. Yeah, I, I do think there was there was a uh, a heavy abandonment of the run game in this situation, with especially with how well uh, Zondervan Knight had run in previous games. Uh, I understand you weren't getting a whole lot of success with Zondervan Knight, and I, I think sometimes you that's where you just pull the ball out of that guy's hands and you hand it off to. I mean, Ty Johnson and Michael Carter, for example, both of those guys have proven their worth as rushers in the past. I think Zahneman Knight was just having himself a really rough game against a really hot Jacksonville team right now. Yep. I mean, and they are red hot. But I, I just don't understand the, the abandonment of the run game. I mean, Ty Johnson, two carries. Michael Carter, two carries. I mean, like between four different running, well, three different running backs, I mean, yep. you, you had 10 carries. Yep, and then Chris had, you know, Chris Strebler, the backup quarterback, had nine carries of his own. So what what does that tell you? Yeah, he leads the team. So I mean, it, it tells me that 
I, I don't think Strebler is is obviously. I I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody thinks that he's a starter. No. This is my reaction. Who? Yeah. Who? He's a guy. He's it, it, the, I mean, backups are put in this league to, to help hold the fort down while the main guy you know gets healed, healed up. But the quarterback, the the Jets are really in a have a problem at the quarterback position, especially when they have a stud or supposedly. In Zach Wilson, but of course Zach Wilson, you know, is starting to show his old, his inner Sam Darnold, if you would, if you will. Yep, I, I think Zach Wilson is is showing that he's a bust, and I and I do think that you're seeing um, a little bit of incompetence on the side of the the coaching staff when it comes to the Jets, because if you have a guy like Joe Flacco, who yeah. actually started out the season red hot for you, uh, with Zach Wilson being hurt, whatever the Super, case, Super Bowl quarterback, you know, yep. veteran guy, yeah. It, it just it would make sense, and and him and Garrett Wilson have a a uh, an excellent rapport. Yep. I, I I mean, if it was me, Joe Flacco would have started this game from the rip. Uh, on the other side, though, the guy that should be starting over here, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, man. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, this this was the Jaguars game <laughs> from start to finish. You know, this isn't. I mean, yes, there's a lot to talk about the Jets, but the Jaguars here really proved. You know that they're that they're uh, you know ready and raring to go. I, I really think that uh, Doug Peterson and uh, Trevor Lawrence are hitting a real good stride right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think uh, Doug Peterson exact is exactly what Trevor Lawrence needed uh, yep. for a while there. And and I also one guy that that really and you know I know a lot of people are talking about Travis Etienne and stuff like that, but one guy that really has caught my eye and and Evan Ingram. This is this <laughs> is the the uh, a large like con- amount of consecutive performances for him where he is turning out really solid numbers. Evan Ingram, this is the Evan Ingram we wanted to see in New York. This is yep. the Evan Ingram that everybody expected to be with Eli Manning. This is the Evan Ingram, the, the type of receiving tight end that everybody wanted to see. And suddenly, Doug Peterson has has cultivated him into a stud tight end. I hope this continues because this is the Evan Ingram that everybody expected to see uh, in New York. Yep, absolutely. You know, and see if we can get Christian Kirk back on the winning ways, and you know, obviously, you know, Travis Etienne is obviously your your running, your rushing leader. I mean, really, the only folly that we could really say is that they got rid of James Robinson, who, right. by the way, where was he on the Jets bench? He, he didn't. He didn't. I don't see him on this on the team anywhere. Like, did they cut him or what happened to him? The Jets have had him riding the bench for the last few weeks. It's been he's been a healthy scratch. I don't understand it. No. Jake Robinson is going to be a guy that that should in, in in any other time. Like if he was on any other team, he would go into free agency this upcoming year and he would garner twelve million a year. Yeah, I, I believe that. And and a lot of people are just sleeping on that guy, and I don't understand it. He's pissed that he's that the Jets aren't playing him. He's come out and said that. But the Jets, I mean, really by by showing that level of incompetence by starting a guy like Zach Wilson in this situation as opposed to Joe Flacco, uh, the the Jets are on the, the cusp of costing themselves a playoff berth here. Yeah, and that's and that's no good. I mean you only got two weeks left, kids. And you're still you're still right in the bottom of the barrel of the AFC. Yep. But, you know, as, as far as the playoff spots are concerned. You got one two you have two teams in front of you and the Miami Dolphins are riding the pine at eight at eight and seven. You know, you already have one, two, three, four, five teams that are already punched their ticket to the playoffs you only got two spots left guys right and and they they didn't play the guys that give them their best opportunity to win 
and getting to the playoffs. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of people are, are big on Mike White right now, and I am as well, because I believe that Mike White right now could very well give them their best opportunity in the playoffs. But Joe Flacco not starting for this team is an issue. Um, and, and really, the Jets, the wheels have kind of come off here. They're right now, they're, they're ninth. They're the ninth seed, so they're outside of the playoffs. They're going to have to win out, and they're going to need some help here in order to make the playoffs. It's, it's going to be getting ugly here for them. But the Jets dropped that one to the Jags. By the way, the Jags have a fast track right now to possibly winning the AFC South and making their way into the playoffs. So keep an eye on that. The Jags right now are technically in the hunt, and they're first in the AFC South as it currently stands. So, um, you know, just and they haven't clinched yet, so they're still on the outside looking in. They're still in the hunt, but right now they're considered the four seed at this yeah. point. That's which is mind blowing. They're gonna be they're gonna be hosting a playoff game after posting one of the worst records, you know, uh, of the NFL last year. Right. Uh, it, it's it's amazing. Doug Peterson is a magic man. I'm I, I'm just convinced of it at this point. Uh, next up, the Ravens go out and beat the Falcons, seventeen to nine. You know, Tyler Huntley gets the start here. Lamar has been uh, hurt for a while there. Huntley, very pedestrian stat line: nine for seventeen, one fifteen, and a touchdown. What? Uh, the, the Ravens really relied on the run game, getting things going. Gus Edwards, 11 carries for 99 yards. J.K. Dobbins, 12 carries, 59 yards. Even the quarterback, Tyler Huntley, gets involved. He had 11 carries for 26 yards. He didn't throw the ball a lot. Um, he wasn't pretty effective throwing the ball. It was a low-scoring low game. The defense did, the, did its job, and the Ravens pick up a win here. Um, well, here's well. What's the well? What's the difference between the the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets? They went with the running game. Right, right. They they saw their backup quarterback and they said we're going to take the ball out of his hands as much as possible, and they did so. You know, you're not going to get huge numbers out of Tyler Huntley um, for a while there. Tyler thought that that Huntley was going to be the guy for the Ravens. Obviously, it's not looking that way at this point. Yeah, not yet. I, you know, it, obviously, you know, Lamar's in, a, it, Lamar's in a contract year, correct? Yes, he is. But so, he, yeah. right now, he's in negotiations for that contract. And, you know, the question the question becomes, you know, do, do the Ravens really believe in Tyler Huntley? And I think Huntley last year had really great performances for the Ravens. But this year, that's not the same guy. You know, we're not, right. not the same Tyler Huntley we saw last year. So I have questions about about whether or not Huntley is going to be the guy to, to, to step in and become the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not sure that he's capable at this point mm-hmm. after seeing some of the numbers he's put up over the last several weeks here with Lamar being on the bench. Um, right. It, it's just it, it's a, going to be a tough road for the Ravens until Lamar Jackson gets back. And I think Lamar is showing his value not just to the Ravens but to the rest of the league. There's going to be a bidding war for him. Uh, in this upcoming offseason. Right, and then on the other side of the ball here with the uh, Atlanta Falcons, uh, the weird thing is Desmond Ritter comes on you know, for, for Marcus Mariota and puts up a pretty decent stat line, 22 of 33 for 218 yards. Uh, his number one receiver is Drake London. Hello, seven catches for 96 yards. Tyler Algier gets 18 carries for 74 yards, and Cordell Patterson's behind him, eight carries for 17 yards. Yeah, we we've always been critical about Arthur Smith and his you know his level of incompetence, you know. Uh, so it's kind of weird that you know with with numbers like this on the other team, you would have thought they would have crossed the goal line at some point. Yeah, the you know the Desmond Ritter first of all, I'll start with him. Um, you know he's a, he's a a day two guy. I think he was third rounder. Um, the cat, he's a, the quarterback out of Cincinnati that went to the playoffs and and you know 
Ritter had a really good career with the uh, the Cincinnati Wildcats over there. Uh, he comes in as a rookie. Obviously, he, there's going to be some growing pains there, but he did put up a pretty decent stat line here. Um, the interesting thing is the the Falcons are are kind of focused on going with Tyler Algier as their starting running back, as opposed to Cordero Patterson. Um, Patterson has been such an uh, uh, an enigma for them. I mean, honestly, he's been so good for them and. To see Arthur Smith kind of walk away from Patterson and go to Algier here. And Algier, it's it's not to say that Algier is putting up bad numbers. 18 carries for 74 yards is pretty good numbers. But uh, I, I'm curious about the mindset as far as Arthur Smith goes because Cordero Patterson does seem like the more electric player of the two. So I want to see um, how this evolves. I, I do think you could see Cordero Patterson hit free agency at some point in the future here, and somebody's going to pick him up for that running back spot. Right, and not just as a change of pace back, but as the main guy. <clears throat> exactly. He's worth every penny. And and also, I, I want to point out one thing I do like about Desmond Ritter is the fact that he turned to Drake London as his number one receiver and utilized him as a number one receiver, as he should have been. Now, yep. London, London getting seven receptions for 96 yards is fantastic. I got to see more red zone work out of Drake London. Though. That's one yep. thing that's missing is the touchdown. And right. You know, I, I think early on in the season, I think they were using Drake London as a touchdown receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he could, if he can combine, you know, the skills he's getting in the middle of the field, if he could put those two perf- types of performances together, you know, you get, you got the net, you got. Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and say we got the next Jerry Rice on our hands. I mean, that's a little that's that's stretching it a little bit. Yeah. But uh, but we are going to have a, a top caliber receiver in the NFL if the, if this kid can put everything together. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's he's really solid with those um, those mid to intermediate routes. I I, I just really believe that that uh, he's more of a possession receiver than anything. I don't mm-hmm. think. He's- do any acrobatic things or he's not he's not going to be a, a show stealer like a Justin Jefferson or anything like that but he's fully capable of being a possession receiver and being a number one and there's nothing wrong with that I think he's a special player and I'm hoping that that down the line Drake London is going to get a little bit better quarterback play to kind of complement his skill set because that's what he needs uh, over there in Atlanta but the, the Ravens go ahead and they pick up the W, and, and the Ravens are right now a playoff team. They Right now they're ranked as the fifth seed. They're 10-5. and five. They're second in the AFC North, just one game back from the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to see how that plays out this upcoming week. But the Ravens get the W there. Uh, next up, sort of a surprise, the Carolina Panthers stomp a mud hole and walk it dry in the Detroit Lions 37-23. They oh boy all over him. I think it was almost 250 yards, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, on the ground, over yep. 250 yards. Oh, well, well over 250 yards in the very first quarter. Uh, well, it, w- it was a sight to behold. It was the defense was non-existent. You know, we we talked all year about how this defense just needed some help. I mean, now earlier on in the season, you know, this defense showed up, and I don't know, I don't know what happened. Maybe this defense got exposed today. Uh, Dan Campbell said, you know, that the, the Panthers seem to be a hungrier team. And, well, uh, Dante Foreman and Chubba Hubbard, they certainly ate. Yeah, uh, Dante Foreman is one of those guys that I think is so undersold. There are a lot of people out there that, that forget just how good this guy was when he played in relief of Derrick Henry last year. And, and Alex, you, you got to experience him. Not just last year, but this year as well when he came in when CMC got traded from from Carolina. Foreman has been a force 
That guy is a top running back in this league right now, believe it or not. And for him to put up 21 carries for 165 yards and a touchdown, that's a 7.9 average. And look, I understand Chuba Hubbard had a, a 12 carries for 125. He did break a huge run in this game. So, you know, don't don't let it, you know, fool you here. That that's a, a it's a big number, but one of those runs was a massive run. Whereas Dante Foreman was much more consistent, much more much more methodical. Uh, 7.9 average, one touchdown. I mean, he's a stud, and Carolina has their star running back. They have their number one guy moving forward. I don't care what anybody says, and the fact that Carolina is going to be, uh, is going to have him for the long term, dude. They they've got their guy now. I think he's going to be their their new stud running back. Absolutely, you know, and you know Sam Darnold himself. You know, he went 15 to 20 for 22, 250 yards and a touchdown. Uh, DJ Moore starting to light up the field for Carolina a little bit. Five receptions, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Terrence Marshall Jr. gets two catches for 55. Uh, Chenault gets 50, gets three uh, catches for 53 yards. Uh, let's take a look at the other side, though. I mean, Jared Goff is still Jared Goff. Now, granted, he threw the ball 42 times. Right. So, but he, and he and he only made 25 of those catches. That's that's a that's a little bit above 50 percent. But he still got 355 yards and three touchdowns. Granted, this was in the second half, you know, right. when they started to come alive. But, I mean, it was pretty much too little, too late. Yep. Um, you know, DJ Chark had himself a day, four catches for 108 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown had seven catches for 76 yards. I mean, the offense was there. It's just the defense was not. And the, and the defense was definitely, uh, you know, the Achilles heel for the Lions today. Yeah, yeah, the defense... Um... You know, the, the defense was one of those uh, uh, weird in, in one of those weird situations where Carolina was just able to run the ball at will. There was no no stopping uh, the, the Carolina run game. Um, you know, it, it was just crazy. But one thing I do want to point out about the Lions offense is they, too, abandoned the run. If you look at what they did here. Yep. I mean, for Jamal Williams right now, I mean, he only had seven carries on the day. DeAndre Swift, only four carries. I mean, they, they sort of got away from the run, too. And it was, it, you know, for your top two running backs, a, a kind of a two-headed monster uh, to only get a combined 11 carries, that's, that's an issue. That's so, an issue. And I think that issue was brought forth because of the fact that I think it was forced because they're forced to play from behind. And I think, you know, Jared was trying, you know, Jared Goff and Dan Campbell were just, yeah, I think their idea. I think the Lions' idea was okay. We're behind. We got to throw the ball to get back in. The, to get back in the game, where you know Carolina was able to use the run to set up the pass. You know, I think you know by by abandoning the run like this. I, I think Dan Campbell was in panic mode, uh, or or the coaching staff was. Somebody was in panic mode uh, up right. in the booth, and uh, and you see the result. Goff was accurate in this game. He did have a monster stat line, 355 yards, three touchdowns. He did, he played mistake-free football. He didn't throw an interception in, in this game. Um, Chark and St. Brown getting involved, you know, is fantastic. One guy that I just, I want to point out, was not involved. And, and I'm surprised that they didn't get him involved. No catches in this game. Jamison Williams, the, the underutilization of him right. is yeah. is mess. Um, no catches in this game. That is a nightmare. Uh, not having him involved. So, so Shane Zilstra, who gets five catches for 26 yards, but he gets all three of the touchdowns that were scored in this game, you know, yep. uh, at least for the Lions. And I'm not, uh, you know, I mean, great. I'm glad that they're finding new players they can throw the ball to, but at the same time, you know, Jameson Williams is a, is a top 20 draft pick. 
yeah. you know, and you and you know, he you got him basically at a steal. You know, yeah. you, you 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 swiped him from the Minnesota Vikings practically. You yep. know, uh, I mean, the, so you know, I don't, yeah, it's very strange that uh, Jamison Williams was was not utilized in this game. Yeah, it was it was weird. I I just. Um... It was just a confusing thing, and and you would think that the Lions would be really focused on going kind of like three deep look. I mean, I, even a four deep look. I mean, you have four really good receivers on that football team. DJ Chark proving his worth uh, in recent in in recent games here. You, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown, who obviously has been very very good for this team. I, I mean, you have the players, you know, you to to be, you know, special here. And not utilizing that guy, where you could be three deep here, and and really be be terrifying and terrorizing defenses. It's just it's one of those things that just blows my mind, and it's one of those things that honestly could cost the Detroit Lions a playoff spot here. Could you know? First of all, you know they're definitely not in the driver's seat anymore. You know they cost they cost themselves an opportunity to be in the driver's seat, and I think they might have been. Uh, you know, just high, you know, high on their own product. Um, it's kind of a, you know, poor comparison, but you know, um, I, this one kind of, wrote, you know, bit them in the kneecaps, uh, to be ironic, but they're, you know, they're not out, you know, if, if they went out and obviously they're going to need some help. Uh, but if they went out, I think that's, I think that's the mentality here. You yeah. Know, you got one, two, three, four, five, six. So they're, they're sitting at spot number nine and, you know, they're banging on the door of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, if and you know, so if the Seahawks loot drop another one, and Detroit wins the next two games, you know, then they're in the driver's seat because then it, it becomes a battle for the NFC South. You know, Carolina or Tampa Bay gets that spot, and then it's and then it's up to the Giants and the Commanders to take the sixth spot. Yeah, and, so, and realistically, you know, the Giants right now eight six and one. They they have a pretty kind of a cupcake matchup versus the Colts coming up. The Commanders. You know, they've been sort of a hit or miss team, but I think the commanders are sort of digging their own grave at the moment here. I mean, if you if you look and, and we'll be talking about it uh, kind of shortly here, but the commanders are getting ready to start Carson Wentz this weekend. And I don't understand mm. the logic there after Ty- Taylor Heineke has done so many good things for them. Uh, the commanders right now, I mean, they, they should be riding the hot hand. It doesn't sound like they're going to. Both those spots, the six and seven spot, could be wide open. We don't know what's going to happen. The Colts are such a hit or miss team. I mean, it, it's just wild. The Seahawks, I think, are going to have kind of things kind of under wraps for the most part, taking on the Jets. But you know, the Lions, I, I honestly, depending on how things go this weekend between the Packers and the Vikings, you may be in Week 18 seeing a showdown between the Lions and the Packers. Winner goes to the playoffs, and I think that would be so much fun. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it, it'll give an opportunity to bounce Aaron Rodgers from the playoffs. I mean, and wipe that smile off his face. I mean, that's that's just that's just the gift that keeps on giving. Right, but uh, the hope is that for me this weekend that the Vikings will get the job done and eliminate those Packers. But we'll see. You you should. Yeah, I hope so. But we'll we'll find <laughs> out. Packers are favored in that game, by the way. Um, Interesting. Next, yeah. Next up, we got the Chiefs beating the Seahawks twenty-four to ten. Kind of no surprise here. The the Chiefs, you know, they've been playing the good ball just like the Chiefs always do. Chiefs go to twelve and three. Seahawks drop to seven and eight. Uh, Mahomes, sort of a pedestrian stat line: sixteen for twenty-eight, two twenty-four, two touchdowns. But he did play mistake-free football. He didn't uh, throw any picks in that game. 
Travis Kelsey does Travis Kelsey things. Six receptions, right. one thirteen. The Chiefs got it done here. It was it was um, a very relaxed game, I would say, for the Chiefs compared to what we you know are used to seeing from them. I do think the Chiefs are missing some weapons here as far as you know wide receiver play. I mean, we haven't seen much from Juju Smith-Schuster in the last couple of weeks. Right. Um, we we saw Jarrett McKinnon kind of explode in the last couple of weeks. This game, not quick. so much. Yeah, this game pretty quiet. So I I don't know, um, you know what what was going on there. Maybe the Seahawks were were kind of cued in, but uh, the the Chiefs got it done. I mean, Geno Smith doing Geno Smith things. Uh, Twenty five. At this point, you know the, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know they're sitting pretty at at, at twelve and three. They're in the playoffs, right? And they've they've clinched the NFC the AFC West. And they're tied right now for the Bills with the Bills for the number one spot for the number one seed. So really, it's like I, you know, you don't want to sit on your laurels too much, especially if you're going to play in that in that wild card round as the number two seed. Uh, they got the, they got the crappy Denver Broncos coming up, so uh, that should be a pretty uh, you know pretty easy matchup for uh, for uh, Patrick Mahomes and company. On the other side of the ball. Uh, you got Geno Smith going 25 for 40 for 215 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, Kenneth, the Walk- Kenneth Walker II gets 26 carries for 107 yards. So there he is. We don't, we've wondered where he's been. Well, uh, welcome, D- back. welcome back, Kenny Walker. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, where where have these performances been? You know, it, it couldn't get him the W, but at least he, at least uh, at least it pads your fantasy football stats. And right. uh, D- and then DK Metcalf goes seven receptions for 81 yards. Uh, Noah Fant gets a touchdown. Uh, Geno Smith, uh, you know, obviously passed that to him. So you know, it's not you know, like I said, you know, Se- Seahawks just got just ran into a brick wall. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's what 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 was expected really. And and yep. one thing I, I do, you know, I, Kenneth Walker, we we've kind of seen pedestrian numbers from him. Seahawks have sort of abandoned the run the last three weeks. And then you see Kenneth Walker get 26 carries, which was pretty refreshing to see. That's what they need to do. He's the guy they need to be getting the ball to. Uh, I mean, I don't understand um, why they, they would just stop handing the ball to him when, you know, Geno Smith, look, he's played well this year. Let's let's be real. Geno Smith has played extremely well and surprised a lot of us. Yep. But Geno Smith is still, at the end of the day, Geno Smith. And yep. Yes. Yes. You, you have to have something more there. You cannot force the ball into his hands because we've seen what happens when the Seahawks, they started the year so hot. Now they're seven and eight. We, we've seen what happens when you abandon the run here. We, three yep. weeks ago, we're talking about a team that's got a winning record. Okay. And, and now we're, we're talking about a team that's seven and eight. So, right. I mean, Kenneth Walker, you know, he's, he's a, a, a hell of a player and they need to be utilizing him more. Um, moving forward, but you know, uh, the Seahawks they drop this one, it's a heartbreaker and it damages their playoff hopes quite a bit. Um, they yep. get down to seven and eight. We've got like a three way tie, almost a four way tie. Really, the only thing yep. that's keeping the commanders in the in everything you got a three way tie, you got Seahawks, Lions, and Packers all tied at seven and eight. You got the commander sitting at seven, seven, and one. That one tie is the only thing keeping them alive. Yeah, they're all they're hanging on by a thread. And yeah. the Bucks are seven and eight too, but the problem with that is their lead. They're they got a chance to clinch the NFC South, which is right. the toilet, which is the toilet bowl division of the NFC. <laughs> so it, it's 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 insanity. 
Yeah, it's it's become craziness in the NFC, especially on the with the bottom teams. Uh, the top teams have clinched pretty definitively, but those bottom those bottom teams in the five and six seed, man, that that's become a war here. It's become that, a complete it, brawl. It's, it's a it's a Donnybrook uh, Pierce six brawl, if the, if you will. And speaking of NFC South teams, uh, next on the docket, uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, put one over the Cleveland Browns, seventeen to ten. Uh, Andy Dalton, uh, statuesque Andy Dalton, goes 8 for 15 for 92 yards and, and an interception. Uh, Alvin Kamara gets 20 carries for 20, for 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Taysom Hill also gets 9 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, obviously, you know, they're they're working at Alvin Kamara angle. What do you think about that? Well, my, my thing is this. The Saints are still technically in the playoff hunt. Uh, they're going to need a, a, to win out and get a lot of help. In order to get in there, they're, they're technically the 12 seed right now, so they're still they're still <laughs> they're, in. They're, the they're, on, their only chance of making the the playoffs is winning the NFC South, and mm-hmm. the funny thing is they have a chance to do that still. Yeah, they're they're still alive. the 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 Cleveland Browns. First of all, I just want to point out the Saints. Um, Andy Dalton is not the quarterback for them. No, I don't think Jameis Winston is the quarterback for them. I think if the New Orleans Saints were smart, they're going to go into this draft and they're going to find their quarterback in the future that's going to play New Orleans Saints football. Uh, they don't have a first-round pick. They're going to have to sell the farm to find that guy. This is an absolute mess. I think the Saints are, are headed to be, a, for lack of a better term, a poverty a poverty franchise for a little while here. Yeah, they're going back to the good old days, yeah, which, is yeah. not, which weren't very good at all. Exactly. And then on... Yep, and then on the other side of the ball, uh, Deshaun Watson has proven to all of us that well, he's not cutting the mustard in Cleveland either. You know, and, and you know, uh, inexperienced, inexperience. Uh, his the situation with in Texas be danged. Uh, here he goes, fifteen for thirty-one for one hundred thirty-five yards and a pick. You know, he's not the guy. You know, uh, it's time it's time to whip up the quarterback carousel once again. Uh, Nick Chubb thankfully goes twenty-four yards, twenty-four carries for ninety-two yards. Uh, Deshaun Watson rushes three times for 24 yards. Kareem Hunt only gets seven carries and eight yards. So Nick Chubb getting the ball is a little uh, surprising, but 24 carries for under 100 yards? What say you? Well, the the the, the Cleveland Browns are sort of one-dimensional right now. Deshaun Watson, before he came back in a few weeks ago, hadn't seen the, the field in over 700 days. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that's almost two seasons worth of football that he missed out on, and they expect him to come back onto the field to be the same guy. It's a lack of field time, and and you can't just throw him to the wolves like that and expect him to be that guy. Fifteen for thirty-one. We're talking under a fifty percent completion percentage. Right. And then, you know, I think they really do have a great number one receiver in Amari Cooper. But if if it was me and I I'm the Cleveland Browns brass, I'm over here going, eh, you can go ahead and put Jacoby Brissett back in there for now. But Deshaun Watson is gonna it's gonna be a long road back for him. He and really I I know you. We, Part of us is going, yeah, whip up the quarterback carousel in Cleveland, but we got to remember they paid Deshaun Watson a lot of money. A lot of money, and that's fair. You know, if you're going to pay him a lot of money, you know, you expect him to perform. But you kind of, as, as you said, he's been he's been on the show for almost two years. Yep. So I'm like, okay, uh, so what so what are we doing here? Yep, and then you Deshaun- kind of paid your, you kind of paid yourself into a corner. Yeah, they did, and and they they took a gamble, and it's not going to pay off. And, and it's right now it's not paying off anyway, and it's starting to look like the Cleveland Browns are heading down into that purgatory realm that we saw them in for so many years. A lot of people got excited about Deshaun Watson because when he was with the Houston Texans, he was something special. 
But here we are, and, and we see Deshaun Watson not being the same special guy that he was in college, and with the same guy, not the same guy he was with the Houston Texans. Man, I got I, I've got questions about this whole situation, and it's going to get get real ugly in a hurry if Deshaun Watson can't get it together for all that money he's been given, all that guaranteed money, mind you. I mean, yep, that's an issue. And yep. so, with Nick Chubb getting 24 carries for 92 yards. It's a product of Deshaun Watson not being the guy that we saw in Cleveland. That's yep. that's what it is. It's it's a product of that, or not being the guy that we saw in Houston. Rather, he's right. not the same guy, and mm-hmm. and so and he's missed, like you said, two years of football. So so we're sitting here going, oh well, Deshaun doesn't have it. Let's just stick everybody in man coverage and pound the line oh, and hope for the best. Yeah, and smack around Nick Chubb for a little bit. And that's basically what the New Orleans Saints did here. And they have good corners to do that. And guys like Marshawn Lattimore. So, I mean, the Saints go out and get it done. 17 to 10, still in the hunt. Kind of weird. I think they're going to wind up getting eliminated this upcoming week. If uh, the certain if certain cards fall right, if the Bucks go out and win this week, I think the Saints are done for. So, uh, next up, we got the Bengals and the Patriots. The Bengals... 22 to 18 over the Patriots. You know, a closer game than a lot of us expected. Joe Burrow throwing the ball a whopping 52 times in this game for 375, three touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions. I think a lot of folks are sleeping on the Patriots defense, don't you? Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, we've always said that if you're throwing the ball 50 times in a game, chances are you're going to lose. You know, uh, and the running game, you know, certainly, you know, Across, you know, Joe Mixon only got 16 carries and only got 65 yards. Right. I mean, for for a bulldozer like that to hold the to have the Patriots hold them at 65 yards. Now, granted, T. Higgins lit up the field, eight receptions for 128 yards and a touchdown. Trenton Irwin, oddly enough, gets three catches for 45 yards but scores two touchdowns. And obviously, you know, their number one Jamar Chase gets eight catches for 79. So, you know, their their weakness, so to speak, was through the air. But to, to your point, you know, th- this Patriots defense, you know, is def- definitely cannot be slept on, especially if you consider the fact that, uh, you know, they could find a way to sneak themselves into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of interesting that the Patriots could wind up sneaking into the playoffs. That defense has been what's been keeping them alive all year. It sure as hell hasn't been the play of Mac Jones. Uh, and it definitely wasn't the play of Bailey Zappi, although he did have a couple of, you know, magical weeks earlier on in the season. Uh, the Patriots have had horrible quarterback play. Um, they've had great play out of Ramadre Stevenson over the course of the last several weeks. Um, and, I mean, really, the Patriots being alive in this whole thing is very interesting. Stevenson did not have a good game in this, in this particular game, though, I will say that. Uh, it's just, first of all... Uh, the Patriots, to me, I think they're going to squeak their way in, and they're like a first-round elimination. You know, and it's yeah. going to be a rinse and repeat that we saw last year where they got stomped out in the first round, and it was ugly. It was nasty. They got the hell beat out of them, and that's going to be that for the Patriots. As good as that defense is, I don't see them advancing at all. Um, they, they have a bad quarterback, essentially. I mean, Mac Jones is not a good quarterback. He's not the guy. Let's move on, you know? Right. Um, on the Bengals' side, though, I mean, the the – emergence of the Bengals after the bad start because they had a really, really bad start to the season. Oh, yeah. And we were pointing the finger going, oh, man, maybe they were just phonies. Maybe they were just lucky. 
Uh, they don't look so lucky anymore sitting at 11 and four the way that they've played over the last several weeks. I mean, yep. I mean, they're, they're riding high. Yep, they're riding high on a seven wins, seven game win streak. They've clinched a playoff spot, and they're neck and neck with the Baltimore Ravens for the AFC North. Uh, so you know, yeah. So who day? Who day indeed? Yeah, uh, I, I think the Bengals are one of the. I mean, right now they are basically the hottest team in the AFC at this point, and people aren't talking about them enough. A lot of people were talking about them last year, but people kind of got quiet on the Bengals this season, and now they're sneaking up on people again. It's getting interesting for them. They could. I mean, a, a lot of people are, are calling for it right now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say we could see a repeat out of the Cincinnati Bengals. We could see them make their way back. And also, one thing I want to point out, you know, even though he's, um, you know, he's had a couple of huge games this year, uh, Jamar Chase has been strangely quiet during certain games. T. Higgins has been the better receiver of the two of them, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I like T. Higgins a lot, and I know T. Higgins has been, you know, dealing with a lot of uh, injuries himself, but Higgins comes out, out, out gains him. Um, Right now, Higgins does have more yardage than Jamar Chase. I understand Jamar Chase had injuries. Both these guys have. But T. Higgins has 1,022 yards, and uh, Jamar Chase only has 960. So who's the better receiver right now? Well, that, if, you, if you're looking at the numbers, you know, T. Higgins seems to be the guy. Yeah, who's the, who's the number one, you know? So I, there, a lot of interesting things going on in Cincinnati, but it, uh, what that tells me right now, seeing those numbers, shows me that they've got a 1A and a 1B because we saw what Jamar Chase is capable of when he's healthy. And mind you, he has 960 yards. He didn't even play a full slate this year. So yep. it, it's it's interesting to say they've got an embarrassment of riches at that wide receiver position. Keep an eye on the Bengals, but right here they get it done 22-18 over the Patriots. Uh, next up, my boys, mm-hmm. the Minnesota Vikings, 27-24 over the New York Giants. The big story here. Greg Joseph sets a Minnesota Vikings record for longest field goal in the history of the team. 61 yards for a game-winning field goal as time expires. The Vikings get another close win. They are are flawless in one-score games this year. Uh, Just killing it. Killing it in one-score games. They've been the most clutch performers of the year, believe it or not. Their point point differential is a fucking joke. And yet they're still winning games. Yep, it, it's it's definitely a it's plus five, you know, for the yeah. season, you know. So it's yeah. re, it's really really weird, and it, it, it really the only two times that they're twelve and three, uh, they they lost two blowouts to the Cowboys and to the Colts. Well, actually, I take that back. Yeah. You know, it was going to be a blowout against the Colts, but then they roared back and uh, secured the the uh, biggest comeback in NFL history. So, you know, the Minnesota Vikings making history week after week, uh, you know, and, and if we take a look at the stat lines here, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins doing Kirk Cousins things, 34 for 48, 299 yards for three touchdowns. Uh, Dalvin Cook gets 14 rushes for 64 yards. And J- JJ, Justin Jefferson, uh, said to be the best receiver in football. I know you'd say that. Yep. Uh, 12, 12 receptions for 133 yards and a touchdown. And Hawk gets 13 receptions for 109 yards and two touchdowns. So, yeah, you guys kind of uh, stole one from us. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> Detroit's found a way to uh, work without TJ Hawkinson. But he's definitely an asset for you guys. Yeah, so when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings, I'm, I'm just going to run right down the line here. First of all, let's we'll, we'll talk about Kirk Cousins. 
Um, you know, I've ragged hard on Kirk Cousins in previous seasons. Um, oh, yeah. I've got him in this season in certain occasions. One thing I will say about Kirk Cousins is, although this year is the worst stat line that he has ever put up as a Minnesota Viking in the last five years that he's been here, Kirk Cousins has shown more leadership and more poise, and he's shown that he has one of the biggest clutch genes in all of the NFL. And and I love the the this newfound leadership. Last year, when when people ask why he doesn't audible at the line, Kirk Cousins says, "Well, it's or why it, well, it's not my job. They call the plays, and I run them." And it was almost like uh, I just work here. Basically, it was, it was basically what he was saying. I just work here. And I, I watched Kirk Cousins on so many occasions come up to the line and call out defenses and say, this is what's happening. Hey, watch out for that linebacker and start calling audibles and kill, kill, kill and, and, and moving back into the shotgun. And I mean, doing all these things that I didn't know Kirk Cousins was capable of. And I've been absolutely impressed. And, and it's, it's a, a brand new system with a first year head coach. And Kirk Cousins has been as clutch as can be in these big-time situations in the fourth quarter. I mean, nobody's been better. Nobody. And and I, I'm blown away by it. And as a result, ju- and, and it's great that we have Justin Jefferson, but as a result, Justin Jefferson has had such a monumental year. I don't understand how anybody right now could not be discussing this guy as an MVP candidate. And... and you know, I want to point out right now, actually, believe it or not, Kirk Cousins is number nine in MVP voting. Interesting. Interestingly enough. But Justin Jefferson, 12 receptions, 133 and a touchdown. That's like that's like normal shit for him at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be refreshing. You know, he's sitting there right now. He's, he's, he's already broken a thousand yards. He broke fifteen hundred yards. He could probably get two thousand if he uh, two thousand yards. You know, if he if he if he busts tail, he's averaging twenty point four yards a game, yep. and uh, you know, well, actually, you no know, yards per reception versus Green Bay. Uh, never mind, I'm looking at a different stat line. But he, regardless, he, you know, he's got just over two hundred yards until he hits that that threshold of um, beating Calvin Johnson's record for for passing yards or for receiving yards rather. It, it's it's wild. And, and it's I never thought I would see it, but I, I'm seeing it with my own two not two eyes. This kid is special. He's he's the heart and soul of this team. He's the best player on this team. He's the most exciting player on this team. He's my favorite player on the team. I I I love Justin Jefferson and I love everything he's doing. And if there's anything that that any nitpick that I can give the Minnesota Vikings right now as it pertains to Justin Jefferson, I think I know where you're going with this. He has 12 receptions on this game. We need a number two receiver on this football team. Right. That one nitpick that I can really give the Minnesota Vikings is that Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne, these guys have not shaped up as number two receivers at this point. Thielen's lost okay. a step. We thought KJ was going to step up, and he just hasn't. He had a big game last week, but KJ Osborne hasn't stepped up. We we need a true number two. The Minnesota Vikings need to consider going into the draft or into free agency and finding them a younger newer number two receiver i get adam thielen is kind of like vikings minnesota royalty but it's time and from a cap perspective it's time and also i I will point out that tj hawkinson 13 receptions for 109 yards two touchdowns he had a little case of the dropsies you know uh in in certain points this year including this game 
Hawkinson was really great in this game, and the Giants have been notorious for giving up a lot of yardage and a lot of receptions to tight ends. This is no different. TJ Hawkinson, the Vikings knew it. They utilized him in the red zone, and uh, Hawk gets it done. It's great to have him. Uh, I love having him, and I'm so thankful that after that, all the dropsies he had um, against the Colts, you know, we, we have a situation where Hawkinson is, is – uh, flourishing now he didn't bring the curse of bobby lane with him (laughs) no so we have that a little a little uh a little premature to be doing that i mean the curse (laughs) of bobby lane will be lifted when detroit lifts the super bowl over their head and who knows when that's going to happen right Uh, on on the other side of the ball uh real quick we'll run down the we'll run down the line with giants here the g-man uh d jones goes uh 30 for 42 for 334 yards a touchdown and interception. Saquon Barkley, you know, did not break his league, did not break his kneecaps, and did not go injured. He's 14 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. There goes that uh, bold prediction. Uh, Richie Richie James, oddly enough, is the leading receiver, eight catches for 90 yards, and Isaiah Hodgkins gets eight catches and 89 yards and gets the touchdown. So, you know, I, I, I think Isaiah Hodgins. I just want to point out as as just a no name receiver here. He burned Patrick Peterson all game long. All yeah. game. He gave him fits. I have never seen anything like that um, out of Patrick Peterson, at least this year, to see like a, a no-name kid like Isaiah Hodgins, you know, just just blow away Patrick Peterson like that. And Patrick Peterson's supposed to be one of the best one of the better safeties in the league or, or corners in the league, is he not? Yeah, he is. Um, and and it, it, he got he got banged up a little bit uh, by, by Isaiah Hodgins. Uh I was kind of interested to see it, and and Hodgins, he just had no answer for Hodgins. He he really didn't, and and he gave up a lot of yards to Isaiah Hodgins. Hodgins had himself a hell of a game, and so did Daniel Jones, and I think that's kind of telling of the Ed Donatel defense. Yeah, um, that's, you know, that's what I thought you were going to talk about earlier, that yeah, shell defense. Yeah, Ed Donatel defense, you know, they, they give up a lot of yards. It's that Ben, ben don't break stuff, and on certain occasions it works great. And and it did it technically worked well in in the game with the Colts. You know, I mean, he technically speaking only gave up one touchdown in that game. Technically, that was the what went on there. But then you wind up having situations with that bend don't break stuff, like you had with the Cowboys, where the Cowboys just mollywop you and stomp you into the ground. Um. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of. You know. So, yep. So, at the end of the day, though, do you think the Giants are still fool's gold at this point? I mean, do you think they're they have a they have a the best shot out of anybody in the NFC at the bottom of the barrel to make that number six spot? Uh, but do you think that uh, there's a chance that they'll drop to number seven or even get eliminated altogether? I, there, there's always a chance, but as it stands right now, the Giants' next matchup is against the Indianapolis Colts, and I really do think they're going to going to bang up the Colts this week and and go about nine six and one and kind of put this thing to bed. What's interesting to me is you could see all four teams from the NFC East make the playoffs this year, right. and that's that's kind of what what you know sets an alarm off to me. Going, wow! Remember when we said the NFC East was a dumpster fire moving into this season? <laughs> Well, I guess I guess not. And you yeah. know, Dal- Dallas already punched their ticket. You know, and Philadelphia already punched their ticket. You know, I guess it just depends on which between the two of them is going to win the win the NFC East and get that higher seed. Right. And and looking at the the Giants, I mean, I do think the Giants they they 
I don't know necessarily think they don't pose a threat to anybody, but I do think that the Giants are going to wind up being one of those teams, like like I said about the Patriots, sort of a first-round ele- elimination, divisional round if they're lucky type of situation. That's kind of where we're headed when it comes to the New York Giants. I think that's that's their direction right now. Make the playoffs, make the tournament, make a statement that you kind of turn this thing around, and then try and do the full turnaround this upcoming season. And I think that's kind of where the Giants are headed. Yeah, having Dave Gettleman jump ship, you know, kind of helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get rid of Dave Gettleman, that's a huge thing. Uh, next up, let's talk about the other one of the other New York teams, the Buffalo Bills. Go ahead and, and beat the brakes off the Bills. No surprise here. The Bears, but yeah, it was right, it, it was it was brutal. <laughs> I'm going a little crazy, but uh, Josh Allen goes 15 for 26 for 172, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I just want to talk about this Buffalo Bills team real quick here. Because one thing that is setting off alarms to me is that the Buffalo Bills have been struggling for the last four weeks to pick up wins. And Josh Allen has been the one that's been struggling the most out of all of them. He needs to get it together going into the playoffs here. The Bills should not have a situation where Josh Allen is struggling. If he is struggling, this team is struggling. And yes, I understand they beat the shit out of the Bears 35-13, to but man, there was a lot of running going on, and for Josh Allen to go 15 for 26 and throw two picks in this game, I got yeah, that. Is, that is bad. That's bad news, Bears, for sure. You know, and and you know, uh, Stefan Diggs, the number one receiver. You know, I consider him the number one receiver there. Only gets two catches for 26 yards. That's yeah. that's crazy. You know, Gabe Davis is your lead receiver, getting only three catches for 45 and a touchdown. That's that's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, of, of all times for your team to get cold, this yep. is not the time. No, it's not. Especially especially if the Chiefs bounce you to the to the two seed, and then you gotta you gotta step up uh, to uh, the bottom seed in the AFC. Th- that's a trap game if you ever if I ever if I if I ever saw it. Yeah, I agree. I I think the Bills are in in deep shit right now going into the playoffs. I, I yep. think they're in trouble. I think that they, they have the opportunity to wind up getting eliminated here in, in a very interesting situation. You know, they we could see the Bills get eliminated in the second round here. You yeah, know? It, it's, which which is stunning. You know, it's like they made the, I don't know if they, no, they didn't. Yeah, they got bounced in the divisional round last year. You know, they they may, you know, depending on what, depending on where they landing land with the seating, they'll either get a bye to the divisional round or they, they risk getting bounced in the first round. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is it, you both years, the Buffalo Bills have been bounced by none other than the Kansas City Chiefs. I yep. just, I, I am a, I believe that the Bills do need to exercise the demon that is the Kansas City Chiefs. Right now, do I think the Buffalo Bills can do that? No, I really don't. And and I I believe that the Bills, if they run into the Chiefs, if they were to run into the Chiefs tomorrow, the Chiefs would would curb stomp them into oblivion and be on their way. Yeah. But uh, the Bills right now struggling going into the playoffs. I'm having my doubts right now. Yep, yeah, Bills Mafia has got to be shaking in their boots, and not just because it's cold and snowy over there. Yeah, and, and on the other side, when it comes to the Bears, the Bears right now are possibly looking at a. a moving their way toward a number one overall draft pick depending on what happens with the Houston Texans oh yeah you know I 
you know, Houston's definitely sitting at the bottom of the barrel, 2-12-1. It's kind of like the, the Lions situation last year when they had the worst record in football. And then they started winning games and kind of messed up and, you know, dropped, you know, Jacksonville but stole the number one pick from them. Right. But, you know, they did get Hutch, you know, as, as, a comp, as a compensation prize. And he's he's been real well. He's been good for Detroit. So, you know, Houston, at this point, I mean, you're a dumpster fire. You might as well tank these next two next two weeks and, and you know, hold on to that number one pick at your court get your player of the future. Uh, and, and, you know, Bears, same thing. You know, Boston Fields is not the answer here. 15 to 23, 119 and a touchdown. And Nathan Peterman comes in for five throws and he gets picked off. Um, you know, so it, it, it's just, you know, bad news bears, no pun intended, you know, in Chicago. Uh, so maybe we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's going to get it's getting ugly over there, uh, uglier and uglier by the day. And it's funny that you mentioned, well, maybe the Texans should tank. Well, they had different ideas because they went out in this next game and they went out and stomped the Tennessee Titans 19 to 14. Uh, Davis Mills, man, goes 17 for 28, 178. He had a touchdown and a pick on the day. Uh, there, were, there wasn't a whole lot of running. It was a pretty quiet game. I'm surprised that the the Tennessee Titans couldn't get it done. Uh, Derrick Henry did not have the same big game that he had earlier on in the year against nope. the Texans. 23 carries, 126 and a touchdown. If you remember, Derrick Henry had a monster game earlier on this year against the Texans. Uh, he was a touchdown machine, and he was he was running all over the place. Malik Willis drew a yet another start against the the uh, uh, um, Houston Texans, and he winds up throwing two costly interceptions. It was just a, an ugly performance. First of all, let me just point out Malik Willis is not the guy for the Tennessee Titans. Let me. Nope. Just, he's, he's even not, less. He's less of a guy than Ryan Tannehill is. Yeah, yeah, and and that's saying something. And I also believe that Ryan Tannehill is is sort of, eh, eh, you know, I, I, the the Titans need they they sold the farm for this magic beans of Traylon Burks. Now they have yep. to go out and they have to find their quarterback of the future, and they're going to have to go out and find their number one receiver of the future. On top of it, they really kind of screwed themselves this year with yep. the, these moves that they made, didn't they? Oh boy, where's AJ Brown when you need him? Oh wait, we'll talk about him in a second. Yeah, but. Yeah, so it, it's definitely, you know, a telling, you know. Um, but, yeah, this is just, you know, it was, it's – you kind of look at these games, you look at these scores, and it's like, oh, that was kind of boring. It's kind of like a, a dead zebra getting gummed to death by a toothless lion. Um, but at the same time, you know, it is what it is. You know, the Texan, Texans get it done in Tennessee. Uh, you know, so you know, the AFC South is still up for grabs. You know, between Jacksonville and Tennessee, because of that, so that might that might prove to be uh, that might prove to be something in and of itself. Yeah, and and we'll be talking about the Titans uh, pretty shortly here, as far as uh, what happened to them on Thursday night, because they did have themselves a rough Thursday night. But um, the the Texans, man, they they go out and they pick up a W. There is only a tie that separates them from the Chicago Bears, as far as that. It's basically a half a game. As yep. far as that number one pick goes, if the Texans win another one and the Bears lose another one, oh my Chicago, God. Chicago's getting the number one pick. <laughs> so <laughs> so. That, that could be a thing. So uh, the Texans beat the Titans 19-14. to Next up, we got the Niners uh, beating up on the on the Commanders 37-20. to The Niners jumped to 11-4. and 
Commanders drop down to 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. Um, Taylor Heineke goes 13 for 18, 166, two touchdowns and a pick. He gets benched in this situation. I don't fucking understand this. Uh, no. Heineke goes out, gets benched. In comes Carson Wentz. What the hell are we doing here? Well, you know, here's the thing. It, it, this is my opinion. You know, Carson Wentz is the better quarterback, but as we have talked about all year long, who does this play? Who does this team play for? Taylor Heineke. You know, and it's kind of weird that you know, as you said earlier, Carson Wentz starting against. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz is going to be starting against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. You know, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. If that dynamic ends up costing them a playoff spot, you know. Uh, the the you problem know, so, is, is Heineke wasn't playing bad when he got benched. He was, right. he was 13 for 18 for 166 and two touchdowns and a pick. I mean, we're, we're not talking about a bad stat line here. Nope. We're not talking about bad quarterback play. It makes me wonder what the hell we're doing. And then I look down the list, and I'm over here looking at the rushing yards from a guy like Brian Robinson. Going 22 carries for 58 yards with a 2.6 average, and I'm going, what? and you really thought Taylor Heineke was your problem? Yeah, like, what? where was the run game at? Right. You know, <laughs> Jonathan Williams, 3 for 13. Antonio Gibson, 5 for 10. Curtis Samuel, 1 carry for 2 yards. And Taylor Heineke tried to run the ball 2 times, and he and it was a, and there was a net of negative 4. Yeah, where's the run game? Where is the run game? And and you're going to, you really thought Tyler, Taylor Heineke was your problem? Heineke is not the problem. I, I thought it was just a silly benching, and now to hear that they're they're starting Carson Wentz next week is is just a nightmare scenario. Wentz came in, he had himself a good game, but that that move right there, benching Taylor Heineke for Carson Wentz, that is a make or break situation for the Washington Commanders moving into the playoffs here. Either it, Carson, it's a it's a morale deflator. Yeah. It's make or break. And you run and you ran into the San Francisco 49ers guys. I mean, it's not like you're running into the, you know, the Detroit Lions or the or any of the bottom bottom bargain, you know, NFC teams. You mean you, you they, they just clinched the NFC West and you know, they're probably going to be a 3 seed. You yeah. know, so you just ran into a brick wall, guys. I mean, it's not Taylor's fault. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of silly. The Niners have have a, one of the top defenses in the entire league. Right. And I understand the Niners are running around, you know, parading Brock Purdy out there. And, and Brock Purdy, to his credit, has played increasingly well. Yeah. Uh, and, and I also want to point out that George Kittle finally came to life after two years. Suddenly, George <laughs> Kittle is here. Yeah, but, maybe, it was that, maybe it was that mask that Pentagon Jr. gave him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? But one thing I will say is that the Niners are still a dangerous team, whether it's Brock Purdy or whoever at the quarterback's position. And then the Commanders right now, they are making, like you said, it's a deflator. This is a deflator. You could see the Washington Commanders not make the playoffs based on a move so stupid. And it, that's what it is. It's fucking stupid. Like right. you, and, and The team's being sold or being forced to be sold by an asshole owner who's going to be making bank and, and running to the bank. You know, right. and, you got, and you got a team that, that plays behind Taylor Heineke and the coach goes, okay, sit down. You know, so do you think the players start, you know, walking out, not walking out, but, you know, just, you know, do, does the play from the players reflect their uh, displeasure? Exactly. And we're going to see that in the upcoming weeks. Here. We're, we're going to see what, what happens with, with, you know, the play of this football team and if they're going to play the same way for Carson Wentz. They played for Taylor Heineke over the last several weeks. The, um, the playoffs should be a pretty good uh, motivator, but we'll have to see. Exactly. 
Um, but the Niners get the win there in 37 to 20. Uh, next up, a fun one. This was high oh, yeah. school, hard hitting Cowboys and Eagles, 40 to 34. The Cowboys beat the Eagles and keep their hopes alive of capturing the NFC East. Interesting situation there. Cowboys jump to 11 and 4. Eagles drop to 13 and 2. Gardner Minshew takes the start for the Eagles with Jalen Hurts injured. And, and I just want to point out Jalen Hurts could be out for the rest of the regular season. Ooh, that's a problem. Yeah, well, we, you know, they're, they're in the playoffs. So, you know, it, it's not like you're pressing the panic button. On the one hand, you do want the kid to rest up because you're in the playoffs. And, you know, here's the deal, though. What seed are you in? Are you going to be the number one seed? Or are you going to give that seed up to the Minnesota Vikings? Or, uh, you know, could the Cowboys somehow, some way sneak up into that, you know, that number three, that number two seed? Yep. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And the Cowboys do hold the tiebreaker there between them and the Vikings as well. So if, if the Cowboys were to tie the Vikings record, the Cowboys would wind up as the number one seed, which is interesting to say the least. Um, yeah, no kidding. I want to point out Gardner Minshew, um, 24 for 40. I mean, the stat line wasn't gaudy. I mean, he did have 355 yards, two touchdowns. He got some help from his buddies. Uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith had themselves great games in this. Uh, Tremendous. Six for 103, Devontae Smith, eight for 113, two touchdowns. I bet you, uh, from a fantasy perspective, you were kicking yourself going, where the hell was that guy all year? Yeah, exactly. You know, there were, there were I mean, like, you know, I'm, like, uh, I'm glad I started him because that, that helped me keep, that that kept me out of the toilet bowl. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, but Devontae Smith, you know, he's been, you know, that it, it's clearly a one-two situation. You know, do you think it's, you think it's at the point where it's a 1A, 1B situation? Uh, I don't think so. I think Devontae Smith is very good, but I think Devontae Smith is kind of, you know, laid into a wide receiver two situation. I think he's capable of being a low-end one, but I do think Devontae Smith is more of kind of the two in the situation. I don't think anybody is going to top A.J. Brown and the, no. that A.J. Brown has had. But the Eagles, man, they, they wind up dropping this one. I mean, understanding Jalen Hurts wasn't in the game. Dak Prescott went out, had himself a hell of a game. 27 yes, for he did. 347, three touchdowns. And uh, my boy C.D. Lamb, who sat on my bench in this game, I was lucky to win. Uh, C.D. Lamb, 10 receptions, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Very surprising game from him. Um, very surprising to see that the Cowboys offense played so well against a very tough Eagles defense. Yep. Anybody who is using any other script other than what we saw out of the Dallas Cowboys in this game is a dinosaur. Yep, absolutely. And uh, as we said, you know, it's going to be dangerous for whatever team runs into the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. Uh, they're going to have their working boots on. So, uh, you know, they, we, they could make it to the Super Bowl again. Yeah, I, it would be crazy to see them in the Super Bowl again. I'm I'm kind of dreading it. <laughs> yeah. All, all those Cowboys fans coming out of the woodwork. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. You know. Just kill me <laughs> <It's>, now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, the Cowboys go out and get it done against the Eagles. Very exciting one. Next up, a not-so-exciting one. The Steelers go out and beat the Raiders 13-10. Uh, Derek Carr has officially been benched by the Raiders. Uh, he's <laughs> He goes 16 for 30 for 174, one touchdown, three picks in this game. Ugly. Performance. Derek Carr, I think, is just I, – I, the thing is about Derek Carr is I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I still don't. I just think he's within a really crappy system with a really crappy coach 
that was yep. a happy coach before. And uh, Devontae Adams got barely utilized in this game. Two receptions for 15 yards. Yeah, they, that doesn't make sense. This doesn't. And and I don't. I just I don't believe in the Raiders, and I don't believe in what McDaniel's doing over there. I just think it's kind of a, a silly situation. I, I yeah, the Raiders. Hey, mess, but, he's definitely fool's gold. You know, yeah. again, what is, what is it with these coaches that come out of New England under the Bill Belichick system and just drop deuces? Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniel. Uh, you know, what's his nuts over at at, uh, at the Giants? You know, yeah. I don't know who was Joe Judge or if it was the other guy, but you know, it was Ben, ben McAdoo. Ben <laughs> McAdoo, which you know, we were we were praising McAdoo, you know, early on in the season, and now all of a sudden they're kind of like you know they're on the cusp of getting, you know, they're 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 on they're in the playoff race, but I mean it by a by a thread. Uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, you got Kenny Pickett going 26 for 39, 244 yards and a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Najee Harris uh, going 16 carries for 53 yards. So the running game kind of wasn't there. Uh, what you know? <laughs> I get they did just enough to beat a crappy Raiders team. Yeah, the Steelers have been kind of had a, a pedestrian offense this year. I really think um, the, their offense has has just been sort of out there I, I you know some games they blow the hell up and other games they don't I do think Kenny Pickett is going through some growing pains right now and kind of figuring things out and and they're kind of hoping the game is going to slow down for him for a, a little bit at least I do think Najee Harris is I mean I, I don't think he's the guy I think he's just going to be a high-end change of pace back they to me the Steelers need to be looking for a true every down back but if you look at what Kenny Pickett did, and, and, and a number that truly stands out to me is the numbers of a guy that really hasn't had his name called a lot, and that's Deontay Johnson. Uh, he had five receptions for 64 yards. We haven't seen that all year long from Deontay Johnson. And to see Kenny Pickett actually hitting Deontay Johnson, utilizing him as the possession receiver that Deontay Johnson is meant to be, um, that is special. That's a good thing. And, and they need to lean on Deontay Johnson more. He is a true number one receiver, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, and they're just not utilizing him in the way that they should be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Pat Frymuth gets gets the most of the carry, get most of the work, seven catches for 66 yards. But you're right. I mean, I've, I've had Deontay Johnson on my fantasy. He's been riding my bench for the past several weeks, and for good reason. And it's, it's refreshing to see him get him some, get him some work now. I mean, you know, maybe they turn to him in the future. Uh, on the 50th anniversary of the immaculate reception play, uh, and uh, oddly enough, the the man responsible for the uh, immaculate reception, uh, Franco Harris, uh, passed away shortly before the game. So, uh, just real quick shout out to uh, Franco Harris there. Uh, you know, but Steelers get it done, 13-10. Yeah, yeah. Franco Harris uh, uh, passing away was a. A sad situation, sad day, but and, and they were getting ready to, to celebrate that that special catch um, that that made headlines and and uh, was a Super Bowl winner and uh, you know so uh, like I said I, I said it last week I'll say it again our condolences out there to uh, Franco Harris's family and and uh, we wish them well. Um, next up, a surpriser to be honest with you, Packers go out and beat the Dolphins, keep their playoff hopes alive. Packers. Unfortunately, yeah, out of nowhere, turned it on. They're seven and eight. They beat the Dolphins twenty-six to twenty here. The Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, looked like shit in this game against he did. defense that has looked like shit all year. I don't understand what in the hell is going on here. 
Well, I think, um, you know, I don't know if the concussions are starting to catch up with him. I don't know if he got uh, the rumor. The rumor that I've heard was that apparently he got hurt or he had a concussion or at least showed symptoms of a concussion earlier on in the game. And like the idiot doctor that, you know, kept him in in that Thursday night game, you know, said, okay, let's get him out there. Let's have him play. And he threw three picks. You yeah. know, right, ar- right around the time he, you know, he got, you know, hit hard. That's when things started to turn around. Well, a few people kind of kind of pointed toward a, a, a few videos of him staggering around and things like that and kind of looking like he might be concussed. Uh, Tua, you know, it he played fine, I guess. I mean, it wasn't like he, you know, like some people were like, obviously the guy's going to be under a microscope because of what happened earlier on in the year, and they're just waiting for him to be throwing up gang signs in front of his face again. But, uh, you know, what we what we got to see out of Tua Tungabailoa is um, – a very human effort, I guess, you know, and, and some people were like, oh, he's hurt, and oh my God, he's suffering all these concussions, and his career's going to get cut short, and da 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 And I don't think any of that. I, I do think, you know, he did enter concussion protocol this week, and, and you know, Teddy Bridgewater right now is set to, to possibly get the start, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, I, I don't know that the, the possible concussion or whatever the situation is had anything to do with, with, uh, him throwing three picks, I just I really believe it was the Packers playing uh, really solid defense, and and it was sort of surprising because the Packers defense has not been good, especially Jair Alexander, who has been just running off at the mouth ever since that he realized that they're taking on the Vikings this week. Um, the the Dolphins are just they're they're a team that is on the cusp of the playoffs right now. They're currently the seven seed. They really do have an opportunity to, to, you know, kind of clinch this thing in the next couple of weeks. I think they should, if they really want to knock it out of the park, they're just win out. You know, yep. that's all. That's all they really can do. And I hope, and I hope to God they don't. You know, they got a date with the Vikings on Sunday, and they got a date with the Lions next Sunday. Yeah, so, the, Packers, uh, the Packers have to win out to make it, but the Dolphins do have to to win out to make it as well. I, I really think both these teams. Um, I, I hope the Packers don't. I, I really hope they don't make it. I really hope that they, they wind up, you know, getting stomped into the ground by the Vikings and, and they're just done after the, after this yep. week. But, yes. you know, who knows? It's, what's it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, you yep. never know with that man. Yep, you never know. And, and he has not played well this year. And if you look at his numbers from this game, even then, he didn't play well. 24 for 38, 238. He had a touchdown and a pick. I mean, it was, it was just a very pedestrian stat line for him, too. I mean, people... People are getting excited, and I get it, and rightfully so. The Packers are, are, you know, firing back all of a sudden. But don't count your chickens before they hatch yet, folks. There's still two more weeks of football to play. Let's see what the Packers do in the next couple of weeks against two very tough teams in the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions who gave them fits earlier on this season. Uh, next up, we got the Rams surprising everybody, uh, stomping the shit out of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I mean, and I, this one was like, it, it, it's like like Ralphie from The Simpsons going, you know, stop, he's already dead. Yep. That, that's what it is. I mean, or, they, or do you think it's Ralphie from A Christmas Story whopping on Scott Farkas? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Because Baker Mayfield went off. He was extremely accurate. 24 catch, catches, 24 attempts, 24 for 28, 230 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Cam Akers was the hero of the day. 
Yeah, the big story to me was Cam Akers. This is the Cam Akers we wanted to see all year. 23 carries, 118 yards, three touchdowns. That's what I wanted to see out of Cam Akers. And, and finally, we get to see that guy, that guy, because we knew Cam Akers was a stud two years ago when he came in late into a season and, and tore it up. And, and here we are again. Cam Akers gets three touchdowns on the day. And I also want to point out, Tyler Higby finally just shows up, shows his face and says, oh, by the way, nine receptions, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Baker Mayfield, do you think Baker Mayfield is the guy to take the job from Matt Stafford? Do you think Stafford's days in the, with the Rams are numbered at this point? Um, Matthew Stafford's days with the Rams are numbered because he's going to need Tommy John surgery. You know, the streak continues. Uh, I don't think that Baker Mayfield is the guy for the Rams. Now, if he continues the good play, you know, there's a chance that he could possibly take that starting job. I mean, in the interim, at least, because think about this. They don't have any first round picks. They gave them all to Detroit, you know, (laughs) and, you know, as bad as the Rams have been this year, you know, the, the Detroit Lions are looking at a top 10 pick you know, on top of everything they're doing right now. And, you know, you, you have to give credit where credit is due, uh, even if it's dubious. I mean, it, it's it's let Russ cook season. I mean, you know, you, you're going up against a guy who went 15 to 27, 214 yards, a touchdown, three picks. And then you got Brett Ripien coming in, uh, four, four for eight, 45 yards and a touchdown. The Denver Broncos, you know, I'm going to say it. They are officially a dumpster fire. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a Houston Texans level dumpster fire in Denver. You know, uh, they sold the farm to get Russell Wilson and, you know, he turned into a friggin' pumpkin, you know, and part of the reason that the LA was able to stomp on him, you know, now granted we, we've been saying that the Denver defense has been, you know, quite stalwart. I mean, obviously not so much when you're getting 51 points put on you, but let's face facts. I mean, part of the problem is Russell Wilson. Would you not, would you agree? Yeah, I believe Russ Wilson has been the problem all year long. I mean, he's had, what, two good games this year? You dumped yeah. a lot of money onto that guy, a lot of guaranteed money. And and he has not performed anywhere near what he's getting paid. Nope. I mean, his, his, whole, his whole year has been shot. You, 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 you paid for filet mignon and you got hamburger helper without the hamburger. Exactly. I mean, this is this is an absolute nightmare for Broncos fans across the country. I mean, this is a, this franchise is now in in disarray because they have paid this man so much money, so much guaranteed money. They they gave him so much, and now the Broncos are stuck. They're stuck yep. for years to come. Yep. This this is a mess. This is yep. a nightmare. They got, they got they got the crappy chef that you know a couple of years ago uh, Matt Patricia was considered to be you know the the diarrhea fettuccine chef. Well, um, I think he passed the hat off to Russell Wilson because uh, you know we got more Jello spam molds and and uh, you know spaghettios in the Jello and all that whatever. Uh, we we make jokes about it, but it's got, no joke in Denver. Molds coming in from old Russ cooking. That's what we're yep. getting from him. But the, the Broncos get the hell beat out of them by the Rams in, in what was just an ugly, ugly matchup. Uh, next up, we got the Bucs beating the Cardinals 19-16. to It was a boring game with a fun finish. Uh, Tom Brady didn't look good, particularly good. And I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say Trace McSorley looked great because he didn't. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say is that I was pleasantly surprised yeah. by the 
that Trace McSorley was capable of making this game remotely competitive, um, given Trace McSorley has not a good track record uh, as, a, as a starting quarterback, or he's never been. This is actually, I guess, technically his first career start, per se. Um, he did come in relief for Lamar Jackson a couple of times in Baltimore in the past. Uh, you know, he made it competitive. His stat line wasn't gaudy or anything like that, but he still made it competitive because the Bucks' offense is also very much stagnant as well. But Tom Brady and company, they go into overtime. They get it done. I mean, the Bucs, they're, they're that one of those teams that's going to go into the playoffs and get eliminated first round. They're going to get smacked around, and that's going to be that. The Bucs have no business in the playoffs. We know that. Well, but, th- to be fair, nobody in the NFC South has any business being in the playoffs, and they're the dumpster fire. They're the dumpster fire division. Yeah. And you know, and once again, you know what's what's been the big problem? The the running game. Leonard Fournette only gets twenty carries for seventy two yards, and Rashad White gets seven carries for thirty six yards. I mean, really, there was no run game, and you know, Leonard Fournette is the leading receiver, nine catches for ninety yards. You know, there's no Mike Evans. There's no. Chris Godwin, you know, he only got eight catches for 63. Julio Jones was a non-factor, you know, yep. so what are we doing here? Yeah, I don't understand how the Bucks can have such an embarrassment of riches at the receiver position and still not be able to, to generate yards and generate offense. Um, it just, it blows me away that, that Tom Brady has been unable to utilize Mike Evans and uh, uh, Chris Godwin effectively all year long. It just, it confuses the shit out of me at this point. But uh, in Leonard Fournette, obviously Fournette, lost, he lost the job to Rashad White and then gained it back last week, and they're just trying to ride the hot hand. But even then, Leonard Fournette this week then goes back to being shit. I, I don't <laughs> – it, it, He's hot and cold. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's annoying and not a formula for long-term playoff success. No, not at all. And, and I, will, I will point out that I think Leonard Fournette is going bye-bye after this season. And I do think Tom Brady is done with the Bucs after this season. And wherever he goes, and I really believe that it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. I do believe Tom Brady's headed there, whether or not anybody wants to think about it or not. He was a Joe Montana fan growing up. I think that's where he's going in the offseason. And I think that the Bucs are going to be kaput after this year for quite some time. They're going to be back to being that orange creamsicle team that we saw throughout the 90s. Yep. We're going to be a goddamn mess, and I am totally here for it because I am so sick of hearing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. You know, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of them to begin with. I mean, I was happy to get see Tom Brady win his seventh ring, even though you know everybody you know bags on Brady for being like the guy that wins more Super Bowls than an entire franchise. Uh, but the, it's 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 definitely something to see. You know, uh, you know, and. I think I think it's just going to be cathartic for Tom Brady to go to California because, as you said, he was a California kid and a Joe Montana fan. You know, just given the year that he's had, where he yeah. basically chose football over his family, and I guess look where it's gotten him. You know, barely limping into the playoffs, and, and you know he's going to be taken out behind the barn, and and the round's going to get put in his head. Right, right. He's going to get the old yeller treatment pretty quick here. But the, uh, the Bucks keep their playoff hopes alive with a win this upcoming week. They will be officially clinching the division and be in the playoffs. So the Bucks keep their playoff hopes alive. And last but not least, Monday Night Football, the Chargers go out and beat the shit out of the Colts 20-3. Um, it was not a good game for either quarterback. First of all, I want to point out that Justin Herbert, I don't like Staley. Brandon Staley is their, their head coach. I am not a big fan of Brandon Staley. 
Um, and, and Justin Herbert, I think, has suffered under Brandon Staley. I think Brandon Staley doesn't do him any favors as a head coach. Justin Herbert has not played a, increasingly well this year. I'm, I'm just, I'm surprised by it. But at the same time, I do think it has more to do with the play calls than anything. Uh, as for Justin Herbert, I, I mean, 24 for 31, 235. He does throw a pick in this game, but he does just enough to get it done. Yep. Austin Eckler gets in the end zone twice. The, the Chargers do enough, but the guy that I was excited to see in this game, sort of, right. was Nick Foles for the Colts. Yeah. Matt Ryan got benched, and they put Nick Foles in, and now here I am going, where in the hell was this Nick Foles when the Vikings were playing against him in the NFC title game back in 2017? Because I would have loved to face this guy. Yeah, exactly. 17 for 29, 143 yards, and three picks. Yeah, I mean, that... That that's, I would have loved to face that guy in the NFC title game in 2017. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah, uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I I think that they made a, a very bad mistake. They bring in these all these veteran quarterbacks, and they all turn out to be bums. But I mm. also think they didn't really give them very much in terms of receivers. Um, and and the guy that really is worth a damn to me as far as their whole receiving crew is Michael Pittman, and, right. and they barely utilized him. But where's the, Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, where's Jonathan Taylor and everything? Oh, he well, he got hurt. He was hurt. He was out. So they were starting Zach Moss this week. Um, but right. Jonathan Taylor, he he's out for the year. Uh, he has a a, a I, I believe it's a high ankle sprain is what he's dealing with, and he'll be out for the rest of the season. But the uh, the Colts just a mess here. And I the other thing I want to point out, it went viral, and we're going to talk about it real quick here before we we jump into our break. But um, the hit that was put on, uh, uh, I forget who it was put on, but it was done by Der- Derwin James. I think it was put on Alec Pierce. Um, Derwin James threw a hit, a helmet-to-helmet hit in this game, lowered the crown of the helmet, really tagged the receiver in a nasty, nasty way. I believe I did see this. It was ugly. Um, I just want to point out that I think Derwin James, for that one hit, I don't give a shit how good of a player he is. I don't care how good of a defensive, uh, 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 how good of a safety he is. Number one, Brandon Staley, shame on you for trying to justify this hit. I'm going to start there. That hit has no business in the game of football, period. Like, lowering the crown of your helmet, hitting a defensive receiver, uh, 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 torpedoing into him, popping your head up so you you knock him up like a like a rock'em, sock'em robot, and I'm supposed to sit here and just think that this is acceptable. Absolutely not. So shame on Brandon Staley for for thinking that hit and claiming that hit is is acceptable and then trying to blame Justin Herbert for for putting the receiver in danger. No, how about your player doesn't act like an asshole? How about that? (laughs) Yeah. And and also Derwin James, shame on him. He deserves to be fined. If I was the league, I'd I'd be suspending Derwin James for the remainder of the season. This thing was no different than Vontae's perfect blasting Antonio or uh, uh, Antonio Brown. It right. was different. It was no different than a Vontae's perfect dirty hit. It was no difference than a James Harrison dirty hit. It, it was a dirty hit. And and th- this has no business in football. I'm blown away by the fact that the league did not did not suspend Derwin James uh, for the remainder of the season for this, and that he really received no repercussions for it. I think it's absolutely wrong. It's bullshit, and it shouldn't happen. The league needs to to come down on players for stuff like this. What say you? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Especially since the NFL's been under a microscope for the past decade regarding concussions, regarding CTE. You know, uh, and the fact that stuff like this still goes on, you know, is, you know, it's it's folly. It it absolutely is. Yeah, it's it's garbage. It was it was garbage football. Um, It has no business in the game. But uh, at the end of the day, the Chargers do wind up going out and beating the Colts twenty to three, and uh, making their way. I mean, almost clinch. They did clinch a playoff spot with this. Uh, with this win here, so you you do have the the Chargers officially in the playoffs. So for the first time, Justin Herbert will see a playoff game. <laughs> That's kind of exciting, actually, uh, for him. He is officially the six. Though they are officially the sixth seed, he officially uh, carries his team to that. They've got a matchup with the Rams here. They could move up the rankings depending on what goes on with the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, really, more so the Ravens. I think the Bengals are going to probably clinch that division in the coming weeks here. But the Chargers, the Bengals do have a very fun matchup coming up, by the way, with the Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah, there you go. And that could that could change the seeding order, too. Yeah, Monday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills. That is going to be a showdown for the ages this week. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. But those are your scores for uh, Week 16 in the NFL. Now, Alex, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Um, and when we get back, we're going to go through some of our uh, – our top performances of the week. We're going to go through our uh, our uh, forgetful five. We're going to go through our rookie rankings. We're going to go through our news, and we're going to hit up our predictions for the week. We're going to talk a little bit about the playoff picture as well. So, folks, we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's your time massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Welcome back to the Outside Pass. I am your host, Cannonball Alex Steele. Hooray! <laughs> <clears throat> and I am your host, uh, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. And uh, folks, we have our, uh, we're, we're nearing the end of the year. Alex, we, we've got our, our uh, top 10 we do every show that always determines the MVP of the season. Um, and it's it's all sort of starting to really take shape here. Uh, and and uh, this week we've got our, our top 10 performances of the week. Uh, you know, the offensive performances of the week where, like, like, there are some weeks where it's really difficult to find, you know, like, who are your top performers of the week and who aren't your top performers of the week or your, your forgetful five, your bottom performers. This week was so definitive. I mean, like, 
it was very easy to figure out who your top guys were this week. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the stat lines that I'm reading here, they're just off the charts. Yeah, it's it's wild. It was it was very, very definitive. Uh, and and so we're going to jump in. Top, all right, this is our, our top 10 here. Uh, Derek Henry is our number 10 guy. Uh, 23 carries, 126 yards and a touchdown. That's number 10. Think about that. Yeah. There. Yeah, that's that's insane to to see. Like, I mean, you know, you don't think that 126 yards is a lot, but I mean, and you know, and and Derrick Henry, you know, is not like the Derrick Henry we're all used to. You know, in this in that game, you know, against the Texans, you know, for some, you know, they were able to hold the freight train down, but still, very impressive stat line uh, from King Henry there. Yeah, Derrick Henry against the Texans is notoriously just like a, a two to three touchdown kind of guy. He's usually putting up 160 yards. No, no, no. We <laughs> we didn't get it out of Derrick Henry, but still, he he still put up an impressive stat line. 23 carries, 126 and a touchdown. I mean, hey, Derrick Henry doing Derrick Henry things. Uh, he's yep. <laughs> you can't really get, get doesn't get much uh, more straightforward than that. Yeah, when he gets downhill, it's scary, and it's it's always entertaining. I mean, anytime Derrick Henry takes on the Texans, it, like if you're in fantasy football and you have him, you start him. I mean, every week he's a start, but especially against the Houston Texans. Uh, number nine goes to T. Higgins, 10 receptions, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Higgins has become sort of the number one this year. I know Jamar Chase has missed some time due to an injury, but Higgins is having himself a hell of a year. Um, a few years back when he got drafted in the, in the second, second round, uh, he was the first pick of the second round. And I said that this kid was going to be a stud. Uh, I expected him to go sort of late first round, sort of like the twenties. No, no. T Higgins goes in the second round, but he's turned out to be such an excellent target for the, the Bengals, especially in the red zone. Uh, he's having himself just a career year here after last year's fantastic performance that he had. Um, what do you think of T Higgins here? You know, I think he might, uh, it, it's, it's a little out, out there to think that he would possibly creep into the number one spot. Uh, the one, no, the wide receiver, number one spot that still belongs to Jamar chase. Right. But, you know, as we saw with Jamar chase this last week, you know, T is definitely, uh, you know, a solid, you know, one, I would go as far as saying he's a one is a one B. You know, uh, he's that he, you know, his, you know, his performances are, you know, have have proven that. And you know, when Jamar Chase went down, I mean, the Bengals marched down the field with nary a step, and uh, T. Higgins is a big part of that. Yeah, I agree. I I think uh, T. Higgins is one of those guys that <clears throat> he's such a big-bodied guy. He's so physical, uh, and and he's really great at making catches in traffic. I've always been really big on on T. Higgins. His size makes him so formidable. Um, so, I mean, yeah, T. Higgins winds up as number nine here. Number eight is an interesting one. He comes back strong after having very, uh, like, a very yeah. quiet year. Number eight. Goes so, so refreshing. Yeah, George Kittle, six receptions, 120 yards, two touchdowns. We haven't seen something like this in a while from George. Right. And probably since last year. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? He's basically turned into Brock Purdy's favorite target. I mean, over the last several weeks, George Kittle's been getting all kinds of work. And, you know, we know that that newer, younger quarterbacks, they, they kind of use a tight end as their safety valve. That's a common thing. But, but George Kittle, man, this is like, 
it look he looks like the George Kittle of old. It's like a career resurgence with Brock Purdy under center. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, it's wonderful that uh, you know, Mister Irrelevant, you know, uh, is anything but. You know, especially since Jimmy G went down uh, with injury. I mean, it's, it, time will tell to see if he comes back during the playoffs. Uh, but do you really think that uh, with this stat line and, and with Brock Purdy's play, do you think maybe he's a starting quarterback in the playoffs? I mean, I'm, yeah. it's a little early to tell. <clears throat> it is a little early to tell. But, I, I mean, right now it's – I mean, I'd be riding the hot hand. You have Brock Purdy playing well. I mean, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? I, I, I mean, I would agree with that. Yeah, that that's kind of where we're at. Brock Purdy's played well, and and teams need to just kind of uh, like if I'm the Niners, I'm just looking at that going, oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that hot hand. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this kid going, and uh, and and just keep letting him feed George Kittle and whatever the case. Debo Samuel, obviously, he's had a, an injury bug, and in, you know, ever since around the middle of the season, and uh, yeah, here we are. I mean, George Kittle, I mean, number eight on this list, coming alive out of nowhere, has himself a hell of a week, and uh, he, he puts up a, a, a gaudy stat line. A guy that put up a very similar stat line would be number seven, C.D. Lamb. Uh, Ten receptions, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, Lamb, he didn't have as high of a yardage average, but he had those ten receptions, which I think is huge because obviously there's a little bit of consistency there. Obviously it's a situation where, I mean, it's all basically like, C.D. Lamb got four more first downs for his team, you know, at the end of the day. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. A, a hell of a game, again, you know, with uh, old Dak Prescott there throwing the ball against a very tough Eagles defense. That's the thing right there. That That's the mark of a great team when, when you can go, when you take on, quite frankly, the best defense in the league. And uh, their record shows it, 13-2. and two, uh, to, to have the Cowboys go in. And have this and have CD Lamb, you know, put up the stat line that he did. And, you know, the rest of the team, you know, you know, pulled together as well. But this guy, you know, he's definitely become the number one since Amari Cooper left town. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, you know, he could be very well be a prime target in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think ever since Amari Cooper, um, even even last year when Amari Cooper was a Cowboy. Uh, C.D. Lamb, I mean, sort of seized the number one role anyway. Uh, Amari, <clears throat> he wasn't the same guy we've seen in, in previous years. Amari's actually, you know, in spite of the fact that the Browns do have a, a, uh, a bad record at this point, Amari Cooper's having himself a little bit of a career resurgence in a way with Cleveland. But uh, he, he definitely wasn't the number one there last year. But C.D. Lamb, I mean, he's proven that he's just a stud of a receiver. He's proven that he is a true number one. Um, and he has himself a gaudy stat line. And to go hand in hand with that, number six goes to his quarterback, Dak Prescott, 27 for 35, 347 yards. He has three touchdowns and a pick on the day. You know, Dak, even though right now Dak is is um, leading the league in interceptions, he has 14 uh, on the year. I think he's tied for the lead. Uh, Dak still in this particular game played extremely well. The Cowboys are still winning football games. Dak is sort of slinging the ball around in a way, which is interesting to see. Normally Dak is much more accurate than, than we've, uh, um, than we're seeing here, but ultimately Dak Prescott playing good ball. I mean, I know he's obviously he's had some injury issues over the course of the last couple of years, 
Uh, he had an injury bug earlier this year. He returned a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, Dak, I mean, he's playing good ball. And 27 for 35, that, that is a very accurate ball game for him. Absolutely. And it, it was very pivotal. It, I think it was the reason why, you know, the Cowboys were able to take the fight to the Eagles, you know, and beat them, you know, and you know, thankfully they did it in Dallas. You yeah, know, it's going to be a different. It's going to be a different story when they uh, uh, get you know gas up in Philly, because you you best believe that if uh, Philadelphia can hold on to that number one seed, you know the playoff, the road to the Super Bowl will run through Philadelphia. But the number one seed in the NFC kind of up for grabs here. So if Dak can continue to play the way that he has, and and the chips fall where they where they need to. We could see the road to the Super Bowl run through Dallas instead. Yeah, it's that's the interesting thing there. So, I mean, it, Dak Prescott, I know a lot of people are giving him grief because of his interceptions or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, Dak Prescott is leading this football team right now, and he's getting it done. Um, and I understand a lot of people were, were calling for Cooper, Cooper Rush, but I think Dak has more than proven that he is still the guy on this team, and he's still the number one quarterback. Um, yeah, Cooper. Cool. Cooper Rush was a flash and pan. He's a backup for a reason, and he got exposed against the Eagles earlier this season. Exactly. Uh, number five goes to your boy. In spite of the loss, he had himself a good game. Jared Goff, 25 for 42, 355 yards, three touchdowns. He did play mistake-free football here. Uh, Goff, he got a lot of grief from you. Uh, he got a lot of grief from our boy Ray Collins. It, <laughs> Goff, 25 for 42 here, 355, three touchdowns. He's played incredibly well this year. Very surprising game against a, a Carolina Panthers team that, um, you know, really has had a, a rough season. What do you make of Jared Goff here? Well, he's definitely proven me wrong. You know, I think he's really settled in to Dan Campbell's system. He's really uh, bought into this team. And that's the most important thing. That's the great thing about the Detroit Lions right now. They're really a team, um, <clears throat> you know, much you know, much more so than I can re- than I can really remember. You know, I mean, the Lions have always been these lovable losers, and nobody nobody really has the sense of camaraderie and togetherness that these guys have. You know, uh, I mean, the Matt Patricia era was probably a you know the second lowest point in my opinion, the, the first one being the Matt Millen era. I mean, God awful, but now that we're past that and we have Dan Campbell, we have MCDC and we have Jared Goff and we have this offense, you know, you've said it before, you know, they're one of the scariest offenses in the NFL and they're going into the draft pretty high. And, you know, I'm earmarking sidebar here. I'm earmarking Will Anderson from Alabama uh, you know, it's it, time will tell to see if they pick them up, but if but if if they're high on the draft, like top five or top seven pick, do it. I mean, pull the trigger, start to tell, make the statement saying we're beefing up our defense and we're starting with Will Anderson. Yeah, most people are are earmarking Will Anderson. I, a lot of people believe that he's a game changing type of player and that he's a franchise. Uh, we really technically is an outside linebacker um, who is a an edge rusher. Um, so he, he could basically be, you know, a, a huge pass rusher for you guys. Um, I also, you know, just for the record, as far as, as the lions go, you do have the first, uh, you have those two first rounders 
if there's anybody else in that top five that I would be earmarking or if you're in the top seven or whatever the case may be, it's C.J. Stroud, depending right. on how the the, uh, um, the Rams draft pick situation goes because you guys do have the Rams first rounder in the top ten there. And the Rams are are kind of fucking with that a little bit with these recent wins. But at the <laughs> end of the day, if you, if, if you wind up getting a guy like a, a C.J. Stroud falling to the Detroit Lions, I don't see any reason why the Lions shouldn't be picking him up for his QB of the future. Um, I understand they, they want to beef up that defense and they want to do something special like that. But if you have the opportunity to get your quarterback of the future and have him sit behind Jared Goff, I, I think that that's a brilliant move, don't you? I mean, you know, especially since Jared Goff, you know, we've talked about how he, you know, he's definitely the guy right now, you know, right right now, you know, he's perfect, but you're going to have to think about the future. And Jared Goff only has a two year deal. I I don't know if this is his contract year or next year is, but okay, next year is his contract year. So you really have to, it's a perfect opportunity to have CJ Stroud sit on the bench for Jared Goff's last year get in the system, get in the groove. And then when he, and then when he pops in and, you know, makes his debut, watch out. Right. The, the, the lions have an opportunity here to really turn this thing around, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The defense hasn't been anything to write home about. I understand you've got a little bit of time with Jared Goff and maybe the lions are kind of looking at this like, Hey, you know, the window is sort of opening just a little bit for the next couple of years to get us into a super bowl. Um, we could very well see them just go after a guy like Will Anderson. And I, I know a lot of Lions fans out there, especially in Twitter land, uh, have been advocating hard for uh, uh, Will Anderson. I actually just had a, a, a large discussion about the, um, the idea of, of Will Anderson on, on, the, uh, on Twitter and, and uh, talked with a lot of Lions fans about that. And a lot of them really advocated hard. Will Anderson is the guy. So we'll see what the Lions do. The Lions are probably earmarking that guy, like you said, and, and really getting ready to uh, to draft him. But Jared Goff right now, uh, he's playing some of the best football. And one thing I do want to say is uh, a lot of that's to cre- a credit to your offensive coordinator for um, simplifying that offense in a way that, that I keep seeing. They, they keep doing these really special things where they're taking a wide receiver and having him cut uh, a, you know, a deep crosser route. And then they... they they move the running back into the flat and what the it's, it's really kind of a, a Cam Newton style <laughs> offense that we're seeing from when Cam Newton was in there for the first year. It's a two read offense. And if he doesn't have his man open, he takes off. It's, it's really interesting. And, and how it, how it always seems to work is the wide receiver is meant that that wide receiver going on the deep crosser out is meant to draw the corner or draw the safety off so that, <laughs> The running right. back is open in the flat or the running back is meant to draw off the corner or draw off the safety. So the wide receiver is open in the deep crosser. It's very interesting to see how that played out. They did it the exact same way against the Minnesota Vikings. And, and we're, we're seeing that week over week over week and <coughs> off some of his best numbers and it's giving the lions some of their best opportunities to win. So it's a credit to your offensive coordinator. I think his name is, uh, I'm not, I believe it's Brad Holmes. No, no, it's not Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes is the GM. Uh, yeah, I, I forget who the, the offense coordinator is over there. But uh, he's having himself a hell of a year, uh, and I, I thought it was just brilliant. I believe his name is Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, that's the name we were looking for. Yeah, he's he's really just uh, killing it over there. Um, and with a simplified offense, I thought it was just, it was brilliant on his end to do that. 
Uh, number four goes to Jalen Waddle. Five receptions, 143 yards, and a touchdown. And and I'm you, you, these stat lines are going to be a little surprising, and I'm going to yeah. explain why. <clears throat> but Jalen Waddle had himself a hell of a game uh, against the Packers defense. Packers defense really hasn't been anything to write home about, especially from the pass defense perspective. Uh, Jair Alexander and company has they have struggled this year. And uh, Jalen Waddle, he's he had a couple of weeks of pedestrian numbers. The last two weeks, Jalen Waddle has been outstanding. Uh, had himself a couple of big catches in these games for touchdowns. Waddle's been making plays with his legs. Uh, it's it's been crazy to see they're hitting him, you know, over the middle or hitting him on a, a 15, 20 yard pass, and then he takes off and just starts running. And I think a lot of people forgot just how fast this guy is. Uh, mm-hmm. Because everybody's always talking about Tyreek Hill on this team. And Jalen Waddle's sort of taken a, a possession receiver role. Here we are, Jalen Waddle uh, making plays with his legs. I mean, putting up big yardage numbers, having himself a couple of good weeks here. Okay, yep. I think I can see where you're ta- coming from. Uh, because, yeah, he had more he had more yards than CeeDee Lamb, even if it was only 23. and he had, But he had less touchdowns. But to your point, r- yards after catch, rack yards. Um, are uh, especially a statistic to look into because, yeah, you can make like a 10-yard catch or an 8-yard catch, but, you know, if it, it can turn into a 20-yard catch or a 30-yard catch, you know, especially if you're able to make a play in space. Right. You know, <clears throat> and fantasy really likes it when a when a receiver, you know, goes like 60 yards, 70 yards for a touchdown because it's 7 points plus 6. That's 13 points in one play. So, uh, but, but the idea is here, I, I understand why uh, Jalen Waddle is ranked so much higher than CeeDee Lamb. Uh, the, the, he only had five catches, but he got 143 yards out of those catches. So the average is much higher. Quality, quality is, is there, the quality of catch. Um, and, and number three goes to Justin Jefferson. Now, Jefferson had about 10 yards less, but what I'm going to say is Justin Jefferson had a whopping 12, 12. exceptions. Uh, we're talking. 12 first downs there. Justin Jefferson, I don't and and I don't care what anybody says. Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in football. You're not going to get any argument from me. Uh, he's the best receiver in football. I'm so blown away by Justin Jefferson week over week over week over week. I mean, the guy plays incredible ball um and and he had himself a hell of a game here. Uh, I mean, it was something to behold. Uh, you know, all three of these receivers are having great years. Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddle, CeeDee Lamb. All three of them are, are enjoying uh, great years. And, and all three of these teams are, you know, the, the, the Dolphins right now are kind of fighting for their playoff lives. But the Vikings and the Cowboys, both in the playoffs, and, and Lamb and Jefferson are a huge reason why. Obviously, Justin Jefferson's on pace right now to potentially break the uh, single season receiving yardage record. And if he does it, I mean, I'm going to celebrate the hell out of the guy. He already broke. Um, and, and this, this one hurt me a little bit, but at the same time, I'm glad somebody did. Justin Jefferson did break Chris Carter's Vikings record for receptions in a single season with through a Carter had 122. He did it twice. Uh, Justin Jefferson broke it with 123. Uh, you saw the exchange on Twitter where, where Chris Carter uh, congratulates Justin Jefferson for doing it. Justin Jefferson, I appreciate you, legend, is what he replied with. So yeah. I'm, well, I'm, when you- the respect, the respect that went to Chris Carter. It makes me just love Justin Jefferson even more. He is becoming one of my – he's already, already become one of my favorite Vikings players of all time. 
Um, it, you know, it, it, on one end, it, here's one thing that would kill me. If the Vikings can't get him re-signed to a deal and he goes elsewhere, I legitimately will be out back burning my Justin Jefferson jersey. But it's, <laughs> well, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't burn, I wouldn't burn the Jefferson jersey. I would find a picture of a Quasi, uh, the GM, and I would set that on fire. <laughs> I'm going to do both. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, Justin Jefferson, uh, I think he's the best receiver in football. I'm loving him right now. I just want him to get signed to a big money deal, and they're, you know, it's unfortunate, but they're going to have to wind up moving on from Kirk Cousins in the future because of the Jefferson deal, in spite of the fact that the cap is going up significantly. Um, this man's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. He's going to get paid. And and, um, and we and we just hope to goodness that it's going to be with the Minnesota Vikings and not with somebody else. Exactly, exactly. He's eligible after this season. This is his third year. He's eligible for it. Um, and also, by the way, Justin Jefferson right now is on pace to sh- not just not just beat, shatter Jerry Rice's record for uh, mm. yardage through your first three seasons and through your rookie deal. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that kind of that kind of reminds me of a discussion that that would that happened uh, earlier uh, some time back on this show where uh, I think it was supposed to be Jamar Chase was supposed to shatter yeah. uh, a record uh, of his own and uh, and then he got hurt. Yeah, and then he got hurt. I mean, it's and and Justin Jefferson uh, he he was supposed to shatter Justin Jefferson's record. Chase did wind up beating Justin Jefferson's rookie receiving yards record, but. You know, it, he didn't shatter it as as Tyler was alluding to all those, uh, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in football. He's going to continue being the best receiver in football. This man's a legend right now already. Um, after three years in the league, he's just such a special player. What the Vikings need is a number two because that 12 receptions number, I think, stands out. I think Justin Jefferson's been kind of doing it on his own this year almost. Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne haven't been the guys. It's it's something to behold to what this guy is doing. He's just putting this team on his back, you know, like Adrian Peterson did all those years ago, it feels like. And, uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson winds up as number three. Uh, number two goes to a guy that I know you know very well. Dante, mm-hmm. Ford, 21 carries, 160 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. He had a 7.9 average great game for Devontae, or I'm sorry, for Dante Foreman. Um, had himself an awesome game here against your Detroit Lions. What do you believe about Dante Foreman? Is he one of the best line, uh, running backs in football? Do we people need to start paying attention to him more? And do you think next year in fantasy you're going to wind up drafting him at some point? Well, <laughs> I can't I can't speak to numbers one or three, uh, but number two, they do need to pay a lot more attention to him. You know, um, I would argue that he is one of the one of the best running backs in football. Uh, definitely <clears throat> he's not like on the level of, uh, Derek Henry per se, but he definitely performed very well in Derek Henry's shadow in Tennessee, as we talked about before. And th- the fact that he was able, and granted this is against the Swiss cheese lines defense, you yeah. know? Um, I mean, and, and at least that's what it looked like when I watched the game, but you know, even so in the NFL, it is pretty hard to go 165 yards and a touchdown, you know, against any defense, let alone the Detroit Lions. And a 7.9 average, that's just bananas, you know. And and him and Chubba Hubbard, that one-two punch, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens when, uh, you know, Carolina 
goes up against, uh, let me check the schedule here. I believe Carolina is up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, they are fighting for the division crown, the, the NFC South division. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if they can continue this, uh, <clears throat> if they can continue this running streak against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That that could punch their ticket to the playoffs. Absolutely, uh, and and really his uh, so his mo- most recent game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers statistically, he had 15 carries for 118 yards against them uh, back in October on October 23rd. But, you know, one thing I want to point out, and that was his his first game taking over as a starter back on October 23rd. I believe it was uh, right at the trade deadline there. Since the trade deadline, uh, I mean, this is kind of... He blew up. Since since the trade deadline, looking at his numbers. So before the trade deadline, you've got five yards against the Browns. You've got, you know... that was week one. You got week two, you got the Giants. He had nine yards. And then, you know, he missed a couple of weeks due to injury. But then, oh, here we are, October 2nd, you got two yards, two yards, 19 yards. And then he takes over as a starter, 118 yards. And then the following week, another 118 yards. And the next week he took on the Bengals. He only had 23 yards, but then he goes against the Falcons, 130 yards. And then he goes out. <laughs> 24 yards against the Ravens, and he has 113 yards against the Broncos. Then he has 74 yards against the Seahawks. Then he only gets nine yards against the Steelers, but then 165 yards against the Lions. Um, He has 646 yards this year. He started nine games. This guy would be a 1,000-yard rusher. I mean, really, that's I, I see this, and I see, like, those other teams that they took on, and I'm like, if this guy had started all year, we'd be talking about this guy, And and by the way, we we made a, a very um, big statement on this show about and it really kind of a stink a little bit about how there were only a hand, I think it was six guys that broke a thousand yards last year and how this, this the game is evolving into a pass versus game. Yes, we've almost doubled that this year. We're already almost to ten uh, as of uh, this upcoming week. This week you got I think you've got like three guys that are within forty yards of breaking a thousand. And you've already had like six or seven of them break a thousand. So you're about to, uh, and, and and then you got a bunch of guys that are that could do it in week eighteen. You're about to have a handful of guys that are going to break a thousand yards in the coming weeks here. Uh, and and this guy, had he gotten a full workload all year long, Dante Foreman would be a thousand yard rusher. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it it, it definitely makes sense. You know, and uh, I, I I I find that hard to argue. You know, um, you know. The, the stat lines are definitely showing, and especially after CMC skipped town, you oh, know yeah. that that's the catalyst right there, you know, um, and, and and you know it, it's a it's a positive change that kind of fell in their lap, um, you know, and we'll see what happens, and we'll see how they uh, go forward with it. Yeah, opportunity is the big thing for him. Uh, I mean, that's that that is the operative thing when it comes to Dante Foreman. I I believe that. Uh, he was drafted in 2017, obviously bounced around the league a little bit. He played for the Texans and he, you know, he played for the Colts a little bit. And, you know, n- now he's really getting an opportunity here and I'm loving every second of it. I really think that this guy is going to be a special player in this league moving forward for the next, you know, and, and now that he's getting his opportunity, you could see Dante Foreman play. I mean, a shelf life for a, a starting running back in the NFL is about eight years mm-hmm. and he hasn't started. 
before this year. I think you could get a solid anywhere six to eight years out of Dante Foreman. I think they found their guy for now that the running back position, he's a special player. So he winds up as number two on the list. And then number one, we talked about him a little bit earlier. We'll talk about him now. Cam Akers, 23 carries, 118 yards, three touchdowns on the day. We've been waiting for Cam Akers to show up. We've been waiting for Sean McVay to give him real opportunities. They had a, an issue early on in the season. They had a falling out. I think Sean McVay realized, shit, I went and pissed off a star running back because I the guy wasn't pass blocking to my liking. Uh, Cam Akers is the better running back between him and Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson goes down with an injury. Cam Akers sees still very limited touches. And then this game, he finally gets the touches he deserves with 23 carries. And he makes the best of it with a 5.1 average, three touchdowns, special player, right? Absolutely. You know, um, we, we talked about it earlier on where it looked like Daryl Henderson was about to be the guy because Cam Akers and Sean McVay had their little tiff. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, I think Sean McVay is, well, I mean, he's the guy at, at the top. So that's why everybody's going to be looking at him under a microscope. How do you take a Super Bowl winning team and get eliminated from the playoffs before, like, I think they got eliminated week 15? Yeah, they, or, they tied they tied the record for yeah. the worst or the, the quickest elimination from playoff contention. Uh, the only the team they tied was, I believe, the 99 Broncos after the yeah. Broncos after Elway retired. Um, and and I, I want to say it was Elvis Gerback took over. Um, they <laughs> they uh, they the former but, Michigan quarterback. Yeah, they they fell apart when John Elway left. And uh, they were eliminated from contention quite early after that season. That's right. And, and same thing here. Absolute dumpster fire in Los Angeles. So it's good. I mean, it's refreshing to see Cam Akers, you know, getting the carries that he needs. Like you said, you know, perhaps this could speak to all right, they woke up and like, OK, we understand that. We know we don't have coming. Well, we don't have Kevin O'Connell anymore. We don't have Matthew Stafford anymore. Uh, you know, but, but Baker Mayfield fell under their lap and Cam Akers fell under the, and, you know, they found him again. So maybe these next couple of games, you know, they're going to win and kind of screw with our draft position as lions, but you know, maybe, you know, we, we've, we've got a formula for like, okay, well maybe we might be able to make a swing at next season, you know, but, but do you, but sidebar, do you believe, uh, that Sean McVay is in the hot seat? I, I sort of believe he's in the hot seat. I mean, he was talking. What, what's interesting about this whole situation is uh, Sean McVay was talking about retiring, you know, this this past offseason, which was strange because he's such a young head coach. He, you know, his mindset was, well, what more can you do? You know, like I've done it all at this point. I won the Super Bowl. And now I think Win the this, Super Bowl again. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think this time he kind of got kicked in the balls, yeah. you know, a little bit. And I, I think he's going to want to come back. But I, I do think he's on the hot seat a little bit. Like, how do you take a Super Bowl winning team and you have the same team and then you just drive it into the ground? Um, a lot of it over personal bullshit like this. I mean, mm-hmm. Cam is a special running back that that people should be uh, scared of. And and two years ago, when Cam Akers came into the came in and and it was like the last eight weeks of the season, he blew up for like 850 yards. I mean, it was insane. I, I was like, man, this guy, he's a uh, thousand yard rusher if he starts a, a full season he would lead the league in rushing uh he was on pace to do that uh, i mean i just think uh cam Akers is a guy that that more people uh need to be considering Akers wants to be not with the rams after this season and i don't blame him 
And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I, I think Sean McVay, I don't know. I, I think he's on the hot seat, but I don't know that they're going to shit can him after this season. But the next season, if he does this again, mm-hmm. he's going to be out the door. McVay is a head coach of the LA Rams. He might be headed elsewhere and, and it might be a kind of like a year off type of situation for McVay. He might be headed into that kind of Doug Peterson realm where he takes some time off after um, running his team into the ground post Super Bowl win. Right. Exactly. So, uh, you know, time will tell as the old saying goes. Yep. And jumping into our forgetful five, our worst performances. And it's ironic that we talk about Doug Peterson and that Super Bowl situation, uh, because of the guys who we have on this list, but we'll, we'll start with number five. Uh, number five goes to a surprising one. Josh Jacobs, you know, Jacobs has, has been leading the league in rushing 15 carries for 44 yards this past week. He only had a 2.9 average. Uh, definitely not Josh Jacobs-like. Am I no, correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's just burnout from uh, the frustration about his rookie deal, about the fifth-year option. You know, at this point, you know, the season's winding down, and he's yeah. I think he's considering his options at this point. He's probably going to walk. You yeah. Know, he, I, I think the Rams are getting ready to hit, you know, or the Raiders, rather, are getting ready to hit, like, hard rebuild mode you're about to lose jacobs adams wants out Carr wants out jacobs is going to get paid after yep. the performances that he had this year and and uh, i think the the raiders not extending him was a disaster mm-hmm. and absolutely and it's gonna you know it's gonna bite him in the ass you know especially after they left oakland and to go to they try to go to las vegas where the you know real estate's not cheap there Right. You know, so, you know, you, you got the Roomba too, you know, they built that big Roomba in the middle of the desert. So, uh, but now that you don't have a good team to fill it, you know, what do you do there? Yeah. Josh Jacobs. I, I mean, I look at him and, and, you know, the, the Raiders could have at least at the very least picked up his fifth year option. And I think Jacobs is a very good running back and he's good enough to be, have his fifth year option picked up. And the fact that they didn't pick up that fifth-year option, I think, is is kind of telling of the incompetence almost that that you have in that front office. How do you not pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option? Just seems silly to me. But uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, he he has a bad week this week, but the the whole rest of the season has just been wonderful for him. He's going to get paid big money. Somebody's going to have to choke up, you know, a five-year, thirteen to fourteen million dollar deal. He might set the market this year, which. Mm. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised one bit. He's definitely not going to get paid Melvin Gordon money, which is like eight million over two years. He's going to get like Ezekiel Elliott money. Yeah, that's, that's that's where he's headed. I think. Wouldn't you agree? I would definitely agree with that. I mean, the the the, the, the bank account's about to get a deposit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number four goes to Andy Dalton. Eight for 15, 92 yards and a pick. Uh, anytime you don't break 100 yards, I'm questioning whether or not you're able to be a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore, right? Yeah, I think it, that, that's pretty telling, you know, and, if, and especially if you've only completed 50% of your passes, despite the fact you only, com- you know, you only threw the ball 15 times, you know, as, as that statue. I mean, I think, I think that part of it, it you know, goes to the fact that he ran Alvin Kamara a lot. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, that's just, yeah, less than a hundred yards and a pick stinky. Yeah. He's, he's a bum and, and right in lockstep with him is Zach Wilson. He goes nine for 18, 
for 92 yards and a pick as well. So he had more passes and still only put up the same amount of yards, and he has a pick <laughs> as well. He had one of the most horrible games I've ever seen yep. um, right on Thursday Night Football, uh, and, and it screwed a lot of people's parlays up, mine included, for the, uh, the Jets versus Jags game. Zach Wilson is a bust at this point. I'm convinced. I, I don't need to see any more from that man. I think he's a 110% bust. Yeah, and that's unfortunate too, because I mean, the, you know, the the Jets drafted him very, very high. I believe they had the second pick in the draft that year, yep, and uh, and well, you know, the attitude problem is kind of where it started to go down. You know how that you know the mountain climber and the Price is Right it gets to the top and he falls off. That yep. is the moment where like he had a snotty attitude and didn't think he was the problem, and you know the Jets rightfully benched him. You know, and then and then Wake White went down. And was like, well, I guess we're gonna put him back out on the field, and he stunk up the joint. So, awful, just awful. Yeah, I don't. I like I said before, I I was talking about on the first part of the show. I'll say it again. I don't understand why Joe Flacco didn't get the start over this guy. I just don't. I I think he's been a bum since day one. Um, I, I it well, just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, he's 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 a hell of a milf hunter, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> 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 Does wind up number three. He can go back to pounding his mom's friends out because uh, that's all he's going to be doing. Uh, number two goes to Derek Carr, 16 for 30, 174 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions on the day. Now, I, I know that, that Derek Carr hasn't exactly had himself a wonderful season. I think right now him and, and Dak Prescott are tied for the uh, league lead in interceptions. But Derek Carr, I, my thing about Derek Carr is I think it's more of a product of, of – him winding up in a system that that isn't good for him. I think Josh McDaniel is a bum. Derek yeah. Carr had himself a hell of a year last year. Uh, made the playoffs. I, I know it took him all the way to Week 18. I know they were just the seventh seed, but the point is that he made the playoffs. Yep. And I think he had himself a really good year last year. Um, Josh McDaniel is not the answer over there. No. I'm convinced, and and I think Derek Carr is going to be going to greener pastures. He is going to start somewhere else. He's a starting mm -hmm. quarterback in the NFL, whether anybody wants to realize it or believe it or not. Um, I really do believe that. And uh, wherever he goes, he's going to have himself a, a hell of a time. Um, I, I I believe he's in line for a career resurgence, and I think that people uh, have been sleeping on him, and, and the Raiders don't know what they have in him. He has since lift, left the team um, since he's been benched at, as of this point for Jared Stidham moving forward. And we'll he's, talk. A, he's, act, he's actually left the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, he he left the team after getting benched. So, I mean, he's he's unhappy. He's obviously going to be looking to to go elsewhere in this offseason. And number one goes to a guy we talked about a little bit earlier, Nick Bowles. 17 for 29, 143 yards, three picks. <laughs> yep, big fart noise for him. Uh, Nick Foles, I mean, I like I said, I would have loved to face this guy if he's putting up this stat line in the NFC title game. You know, I would have loved to face him. Back right. in 2017, but he's not the guy. Well, I'll tell you this too. Uh, what what he, he was playing for the Colts was he not? Yep. yep. So that's the that's the that's the thing right there. Uh, you know, he's playing with you know it went back in 2017. He was playing on a uh, Doug Peterson led Eagles team, which yep. is probably you know again probably one of the best teams in the NFL that year, despite the fact that Carson Wentz went down. You know, yep. this time he's he's got Jeff Saturday under headset and uh, probably one of the, you know, not so good teams in the NFL. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I think he got exposed today. He got exposed uh, uh, last week. So uh, and this stat line absolutely proves it. Um, I did have a question back. Uh, I, mean, I know I'm kind of backtracking here, but it, maybe we can cover this in the news. Um, I'm going to I'm going to put that question in my back pocket. Okay. All I'm going to say is uh, Nick Foles, you know, definitely uh, worthy of the worst performance of the week. Yeah. And uh, he's he's. Uh... Something, man. Something. I, I don't think. I, I mean, obviously the Colts are hanging them up for the year. Obviously they've they've been eliminated from the playoffs. Um, just a messy performance all around. Um, moving into our rookie rankings, we do have our our rookies, you know, all lined up. Uh, I'm going to start with the outside looking in because we do have. I have, you know, pr- a pretty extensive list. This is about as extensive of a list as I had for the outside looking in, as far as uh, the guys that are just outside the top ten. Number eight goes to a guy that was on the list for a while, Martin Emerson, the corner out of Cleveland, how the mighty have fallen. He's fallen yep. out of the top 10. Uh, he's on the bottom of the outside looking in. He's eight spots away. Number seven is Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Chicago. Not having a bad year, also not having a tremendous year. Has stayed around this area the entire year. Uh, number six goes to Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end out of the, with the New York Giants. Starting to climb a little bit, starting to climb up that list. He's starting to uh, uh, catch people's eye a little bit. Uh, number five goes to Trent McDuffie, the corner out of Kansas City. You know, I have a feeling he'd be higher on the list. I feel like he'd be in the top ten, but he did miss some time. But in that limited time that he has been in, he has played incredibly well. Um, and and I was really hot big on him in the draft. But Trent McDuffie, the corner out of Kansas City, is number five. Number four goes to Braxton Jones, the offensive tackle from Chicago. You know, having himself a hell of a year, he has been floating in this top four spot for for a while. And, uh, you know, he's been a little up and down. I've been waiting for the moment where he's just going to slide into the top ten. He's got about two weeks left to do it. I don't know if he's going to. Number three goes to Tariq Wollin. He was in the top ten for several weeks, kind of fell off the radar a little bit, but now he's fighting back. Last week he was seven on the outside looking in. Uh, number two goes to Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of Green Bay. Um, obviously, he's having himself a great year. He's turned into uh, Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. Um, him and Alan Lazard are complimenting each other beautifully. Uh, Christian Watson became a, a touchdown machine for a little while there. And number one is Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Baltimore. We had him. He slid into the top ten once, and then he kind of came out. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum's having himself a very, very good year for Baltimore. He's turned out to be a very good center for them. Um, I'm just waiting for that moment. He may find himself sliding into the top 10, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Number 10 is Jack Jones, the corner for the New England Patriots. He has a 74.7 PFF grade, a 76 coverage grade. He sat out the last two weeks, and he's slated to not be in this upcoming week. Um, he had a knee injury he suffered in week 14. And, and Alex, well, I'm going to defer to you here. What is the number one thing about being a great player? Availability and reliability. Bingo. And Jack Jones has not been available. He's not been reliable for the last several weeks as far as his injury status goes. Uh, Jack Jones has had himself a hell of a year. But but if you can't stay on the field, man, you're going to slide. You're going to slide quick on this list. We've seen several guys do it. And uh, Jordan Davis is a, another one who, I mean, he could be he could have been climbing up the list. He's returned and then oop he got hurt this past week. So Jack Jones is sliding. I get ready for him to slide right off this list because he is not going to be playing this upcoming week. 
number nine goes to your boy, Aiden Hutchinson. He jumps a spot, uh, the defensive end from Detroit, 77 PFF grade. Um, his grades did dip slightly due to the poor performance uh, uh, versus Carolina. He struggled heavily in run defense, um, which yeah. has been his bread and butter. That's why his grades have been so good, according to Pro Football Focus. He only put up a 46.7 run defense grade, but Aiden Hutchinson's been a special player for you guys. A lot of double teams that he's been taking on lately. He's been opening things up for Malcolm Rodriguez, but he's also been hitting home in that that run defense department. He's been harassing quarterbacks lately. Aiden Hutchinson's a special player. I think you guys got to steal at number two overall. What say you? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I we did we got a stud at number two, and uh, you know we 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 everybody was looking at Hutch. Everybody was claiming Hutch, and he's lived up to his potential. Those first couple of weeks, you know, when we went one and six, you know, it was a little iffy, but, you know, he's just getting used to the new system. Uh, but then you saw his improvement. You saw his ability to, you know, get to the quarterback. And then when we started winning games, he was just a, a Mack truck. You know, him and Malcolm Rodriguez really became a good one-two punch. So, you know, if anybody is, you know, if anybody thinks that if there's any reason why Detroit doesn't draft Will Anderson, it would probably be because, oh, maybe we can rely on this Malcolm Rodriguez kid. Well, Malcolm Rodriguez is no Will Anderson. <laughs> and if Will, and if Will Anderson comes in, you are basically screaming to the NFL, we are beefing up your defense and we're coming to you. We're coming for you. And, you know, obviously, you know, so, but the, the focus here is Aiden Hutchinson and, you know, Hutch is just, you know, an outstanding player and, you know, very passionate, you know, it, it's fun to see, you know, one of the best players in, in Michigan in that, in the, in that resurgence big 10 championship team really make come into his own in the NFL. I hope that the, this just keeps going from year to year. Yeah. Uh, Hutchinson's been a, a really awesome player for you guys. He's, he's been very special. Um, and, and a couple of interesting things about Aiden Hutchinson right now, he has seven sacks on the year. So he may not break that that double-digit sack mark, but a lot of that has to do with not having a lot of help um, on that line. I really do think that, if and I agree with you, if you do get a guy like Will Anderson, imagine having Will, Ander Will Anderson, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, and Aiden Hutchinson all blitzing the quarterback. That's a scary combo, combo there. Uh, I think <laughs> if, you're gonna, if you're going to rush three, those are the three you're going to rush with. <laughs> right. And and uh, he does have a fumble recovery this year, and he also, for a defensive end, this doesn't happen very often. He has two interceptions on the year as well, so <laughs> I mean, it's worth worth noting. But Aiden Hutchinson winds up as number nine on the list. Number eight goes to a guy that has quietly having a great year, and nobody's talking about him. Michael Clemens, the defensive end out of the New York Jets. He has a 78.8 PFF grade, an 86.5 run defense grade, 80.6 tackling. He had a very good game against Jacksonville in spite of the rest of the team struggling. His grades improved across the board, according to Pro Football Focus. He's He's been great for them. Um, not so much as a pass rusher, but more in the run defense department. Him and Aiden Hutchinson are very similar players in that they are 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 great in run defense. Uh, Michael Clemens could use a little work on his pass rush skills, but he still had himself a fantastic grade uh, um, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's got himself he's having himself a hell of a rookie year for the Jets here. Yeah, it's it's refreshing to see, and you know it's it, it's probably part of the reason why you know the Jets were so hot you know early on in the year. I mean, obviously you have you know other players that we'll, that we'll get to that have really made an impact. 
but it's good to see a guy like Michael Clemens, you know, start to make noise himself. You know, it, it is part of, you know, we talked about how, you know, oh, rebuilds might take one, two years. Well, in this, in these days in the NFL, you know, they're happening a lot more quickly. They're actually happening, you know, uh, what's the word I want to use? But it, it's like uh, dynamically is the first one I'm thinking of. I'm sure I'll think of a better word. But, uh, you know, with this performance, you know, it, it'll, you know, the Jets have, uh, you know, they still have a little bit of work to do as far as getting into the playoffs. Um, but they're going to, they're going to need some help. Obviously they're re- re- really sitting at the bottom. Uh, and, and again, there's only two spots left, so they have, a, they have an opportunity, but, uh, they need to make the most of it. Bingo. Uh, number seven goes to a guy who, who's been sl- starting to slide down the list because he hasn't played a second week in a row due to an injury. That's Damian Pierce, the running back for the Houston Texans. Um, he has a 78.9 PFF grade and 84.8 rushing grade. You know, he he really had some hot weeks um, yep. throughout throughout the season, and then he started struggling a little bit, got hurt. He's been hurt for the last two weeks. Um, we'll see what happens with Damian Pierce, but he's starting to slide a little bit because of his injury and his availability and reliability, as we yep. always talk about. Do you think and, do you think he's no longer the second coming of Arian Foster, or is he is he still have that designation? I think he still has that designation. I mean, he's still young. But um, and I, I think it's he's true. a special running back. We're going to be talking about him, uh, you know, in the offseason as one of the top running backs in this league. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be looking at him in their in their fantasy drafts. I think a lot of people are going to be um, excited about Damian P- or Pierce in the future. I think the the Texans do have themselves a long term running back there as long as he can stay healthy. That's the big thing. Um, and, and this is the you know, injuries do happen in the NFL. I understand that. But. You know, you got to you got to play all 16 or all 17 in this case. Now, you got to be able to play all 17 games and, and you got in order to be a, a special player, special kind of player and lead your team. So Damian Pierce starting to slide a little bit. Uh, got to see if he can get get himself healthy and get himself back on the field. But number six goes to a guy that you were calling for his head for a few weeks, but he he's uh, you, you were, too. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, but he's starting to turn it around a little bit. Uh, Kenneth Walker, 78.7 PFF grade, uh, 86.1 rushing grade there for the Seattle Seahawks. He handled 26 carries for 107 yards uh, this last week. He had a 90.3 PFF grade with an 89-point run rushing grade. Uh, he had It was his best and largest workload for several weeks. He had his best outing in several weeks. Kenneth Walker, you know, he kept himself alive on this list because he wasn't getting the workload that he should have been getting. And then as soon as they gave him the workload that he should have been getting, Kenny Walker had himself a really solid game for the Seahawks this past week in spite of the loss. Yep. And, and again, they just ran into that brick wall known as the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it, it, I think not giving the ball to Kenny, Kenneth Walker is going to kind of cost him a playoff spot because they were riding high. You know, they were looking to get into the they're looking to get into the NFC West. Uh, obviously, you know, we've been talking about how the entire NFC East could be in the playoffs and, you know, the records are showing it, you know, and, you know, we, we, as Lions, I, myself as a Lions fan have been, you know, clamoring for Seattle to drop for Washington to drop. Cause you know, the, the Lions, you know, despite the loss in Carolina, you know, still have an opportunity to capture that seven spot, you know, um, it depends on who wins, you know, the winner of the NFC South goes to the playoffs and the loser of that, you know, the losers of that division go home. You know, I think that's the situation there. So, uh, 
what you know with Kenneth Walker getting this the the workload uh, that he just so desperately needs, you know, the, if we take a look at uh, you know Seattle's remaining schedule uh, this week, yeah, this week they have the Jets and then next week they have the Rams. So two winnable games, in my opinion. I mean, so if they continue to give Kenneth Walker the ball, they could sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, they they could make their way in. The Seahawks and the the uh, the Seahawks, you know, facing the Jets. It's a winnable game. It's going to be a different Jets team because Mike White will be on the field this upcoming week. Uh, he has been cleared. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, the Rams also a very winnable game. The Rams run defense has been special this year. But one thing I will point out is Aaron Donald won't be on the field. So we'll be talking Uh-oh. about him as well. Uh, but Kenny Walker starts climbing. He's back to number six. He's been kind of hovering around this mid-10 range. Great player, great running back. I was big on him when he got drafted, just like I was Jonathan Taylor when he got drafted. And here we are. Uh, number five goes to a guy who has been number one on this list. He's also been number 10 on this list. Now he's kind of sat around at five. Is Drake London, the wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons. He has an 80.8 PFF grade, 82.2 receiving grade. He had a great game versus Baltimore. He had seven receptions for 96 yards, uh, putting up an 85.4 receiving grade and an 86.5 overall game grade in this game. Um he actually has a real opportunity to pass up Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And it's unfortunate for Olave and Wilson because they, and we'll be talking about them in a moment because they are having issues with bad quarterback play is, mm-hmm. is the that they have. Whereas, and Drake London, I understand he has an issue with bad quarterback play as well, but you know, now you have Desmond Ritter who's actually targeting him and actually throwing the football. Whereas Garrett Wilson's dealing with Zach Wilson, who we just talked about as a dumpster fire. We, we talk about Chris Olave, who's dealing with Andy Dalton as a starting quarterback, who's an absolute fucking mess. You know, Drake London, he's a good receiver. They're starting to utilize him like they should be. He winds up as number five on this list. I know you like him a lot. What what do you think? Absolutely. You know, um, I think he has the, the opportunity to really climb up. I mean, do you think he would... Do you think he would benefit from getting going to a, a different team, or he would at least benefit from getting a different coach? Because as we've said, Arthur Smith is an idiot. But um, you know, with Desmond Ritter coming in and uh, you know targeting Drake London, you know, I think maybe the the light bulb's starting to go off. So uh, you know, I, I think it's promising. You know, we might see. I would say, okay, here's a bold prediction: by the end of this year, I mean, obviously the Falcons are out, but. Uh, by the end of this year, I think we'll see Drake London in the top three. Ooh. So, like, uh, the, the week 18 or the post week 18 version of the episode of the outside blitz. I predict that Drake London will be in the top three. He could very well wind up being in that top three. I mean, right now, uh, statistically he has 699 yards on the year. Having Marcus Mariota there didn't do him any favors, and he had a lull right in the middle of the season where Marcus Mariota just was not getting in the football. Early on, 74 yards, or I'm sorry, early on, yeah, 74 yards, 86 yards, 54 yards, and then and then there was this huge lull where he had 17, 35, 49, 31, 23, 38, two. I mean, they just weren't giving him the opportunities, and and now as Desmond Ritter comes into the game and Arthur Smith kind of you know, that that bell kind of rang a little bit and said, oh, you know what, we should use this guy more. We drafted him for a reason. Six receptions for 95 yards, seven receptions for 70 yards, seven receptions for 96 yards. 
So you could definitely see him. You know, he's on the rise here. One thing I will point out is he needs to stop fumbling the football. He did have fumbles in the last two weeks, but um, and he's he's had three on the year. But at the end of the day, um, I do think Drake London's a good receiver, and and I didn't think he was going to be uh, uh, you know, kind of hand fighting with with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson for the number three and four spot, and, and you know, to climb up this list as high as he is, but. Here we are, you know, and we've got, and, I, and that I kind of spoiled it, but number four is Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver for the New York Jets. Uh, he had an, he has an 81.3 PFF grade, 85 receiving grade. He struggled against a red-hot Jacksonville team. He only had four receptions for 30 yards. He also had a loss fumble in the game. But I just want to mention that Zach Wilson is a nightmare. Yep, he's a bum. And if you look at Garrett Wilson, so, and I understand the Minnesota Vikings are giving up all kinds of yardage. Um, that th- this Ben don't break defense shit with that Donatel, this this uh, uh, shell coverage gimmick. But Garrett Wilson, when Zach Wilson was on the field, or I'm sorry, it was garbage. Garrett Wilson, when Mike White was on the field, though, had 162 yards receiving against the Minnesota Vikings. So mm-hmm. I see Garrett Wilson, and I see a guy that that is a special kind of receiver that I don't think anybody could be successful with Zach Wilson on the field throwing to him. No, I, I don't think so either. You know, and it, it, it's it's a combination of attitude. It's a combination of skill, which there's not. And, yep. you know, do you, do you think maybe also the blame lays a little bit on coaching? I mean, Robert Saleh is, you know, I don't understand. He showed himself to be a little incompetent by putting Zach Wilson back on the field. I understand, mm-hmm. like, you picked up the guy number two overall, and you want to give him as much rope as possible, you know, before you're, you're – you know, finally done with him, but he's damaging your team. And obviously Garrett Wilson's numbers are, are showing that when you pick up Garrett Wilson in the first round of the NFL draft, you should have a plan to get him involved. And if you're not getting Garrett Wilson involved, there is a problem. He's a special receiver. He's on number four on the list right now. I, I think if, with the right quarterback play, this guy should be number one or, or, or up right up near, near, near the top two. And he's sitting at four instead. Certainly one of the and top I, offensive players. Yeah, and and I I just think that's interesting to me. Um, and then also we talked about him as well. Number three is Chris Olave, the wide receiver from the New Orleans Saints. He had an eighty four point six PFF grade, eighty five point four receiving grade this year. Uh, he was out for uh, week sixteen due to an injury. You know, it, Chris Olave is a great player as well. Both these guys, Ohio State receivers. Um, you know, Olave, he's also a victim of just really shitty quarterback play he's had to deal with Jameis Winston he's had to deal with with uh um, you know Andy Dalton all year and and obviously I'm just waiting for that moment where the Saints go out and they draft their quarterback of the future I'm waiting for that I expect that and the Saints can draft their quarterback and and get Chris Olave the football right I mean I mean he's, he's a good receiver and he's played well this year yeah, absolutely. You know, he's he's been a he's been a mainstay in the in the rookie rankings in the top of the rookie rankings all year. You know, yep. despite the bad quarterback play. So if you get a good quarterback there, you know, he's going to start blowing up. So, yeah, I mean, you know, imagine, imagine the Saints with with I mean, I think if I mean, if, let's say Derek Carr goes to the Saints. I think Ooh. Derek Carr is successful over there. But but I mean, Chris Olave right now he has uh, 940 yards and three touchdowns this year. I mean, I would love to see the touchdown number go up, but 940 yards for Chris Olave, in spite of awful quarterback play, 
think he's almost he's, he's an almost thousand yard receiver and he's sixty yards from hitting it. You know, and it's and he got two weeks left in the season. That that right there should tell you, you know, for a rookie getting a thousand receiving yards. I mean, that's not hard. That's not easy to do in the NFL. Yeah, it's it's definitely not. Uh, and and Olave, you know, he's a special receiver. He really is. I I, I believe in that. I I think that he's just a special kind of receiver. And and speaking of Garrett Wilson too, he has nine hundred ninety six yards. So <laughs> in both these guys are are stellar players. They they they've had themselves great years so far. Um, but I I mean, in spite of bad quarterback play, which I mean maybe that may maybe that means they should be higher on the list. I mean who knows? But as it currently stands, both of them are three and four. Number two though, those mm-hmm. that hit number one, and it was looking like he was just going to stay at number one, but. Uh, it's Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Baltimore. He's got a 79.3 PFF grade, 77.2 run defense grade, 74.9 pass rush grade, 77.1 coverage grade. Now, look, I have called this guy the definition of consistency across the board. Um, he's been good all year. He had a really tough week versus Atlanta, especially as it pertained to his tackling. He only had a 29 tackling grade. He missed two out of five of his attempted tackles. Uh, he struggled. He has struggled since coming back from injury. He's getting ready to start sliding down the list if he can't get it together. Um, you know, he he was number one on the list for a minute there, and he was the best safety in football pre-injury. Yep. And, and now ever since he's, he, you know, and, and maybe he should be lower than Olave and Wilson, but the thing is, I can't in good conscience move Olave and Wilson up when one of them's struggling against Jacksonville and the other one's hurt. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, that's agreeing. Yep, and and yeah, and one of them is Zach Wilson, his quarterback. Exactly. So I mean, uh, Kyle Hamilton, uh, he winds up as number two. I mean, I I don't know that he's going to wind up taking back that number one spot because the guy at number one, woo, buddy, uh, mm-hmm. Ahmad Sauce Gardner, Sauce Boss. Yeah, the corner from the New York Jets. Uh, he has an 88 PFF grade, 74.1 run defense, 62.1 pass rush grade, and an 89.3 coverage grade. He allowed one reception on two targets for 23 yards. This is a very hot Jacksonville team. Sauce Gardner's a good player. Um, he, he's just bottom line. He's one, he's one of the best corners in football, if not the best corner in football. He's he's like the second coming of Revis Island. You said it yourself. Yep. Um, Great player. What do you what What do you make of of Sauce Gardner here? I mean, it's it's fitting to see him back at number one in the rookie rankings. You know, he, and we've been talking about how he might he'll definitely be defensive rookie of the year. Oh, you yeah. know, I think I think that's no question. I mean, you know, and besides, you know, the marketability is there too, but yeah. uh, you know, marketability only goes so far uh, when you're talking about statistics and we're talking about how good of a player you are, and, and the and 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 the grades back it up. So. Uh, you know, look, you know, we were talking about, you know, he, not only is he the best rookie in, uh, in, in football, he might be one of the best corners in football, uh, maybe the best corner in football. And uh, we're def- it's definitely showing here. It's a major part of the Jets resurgence, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I want to see what he does for for uh, the years moving forward. I think they got a steal for with this guy. I mean. Everybody was talking about Derek Stingley going in that draft, and we haven't heard Dick from Derek Stingley. <laughs> Who? Sauce, exactly. But we've heard a lot from Sauce Gardner, um, and and Derek Stingley went early to the the Texans. But guess what? Sauce hey. has been the real story here, and he's been something special for this Jets team. So Sauce Gardner winds up as number one on that list right now. 
Uh, he's got two weeks to survive. And yep. <laughs> talking about him at, as our uh, rookie of the year. Um, speaking of the Jets, uh, we, we talked about it. I kind of alluded to it earlier. Jets quarterback Mike White has been cleared by doctors to start on Sunday. He missed two weeks due to a rib injury. This is real good news for Garrett Wilson, who we were just talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, now that now that the bum gets to sit back on the bench and the and the you know the quarterback you know that you know gave him the football earlier, you know, is coming back. You know, the the odds are good that uh, Garrett Wilson might shoot up. Uh, you know, might you know knock Chris Olave down a peg because you know as you, as you mentioned, Chris Olave's hurt, so he could probably because you know, Garrett Wilson has been. You know, like he's been consistently ranked right under Chris Olave this entire season. Yep. So this is the opportunity for him to break out of that shadow in, you know, in retrospect. Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, there. I, I think that is almost a sure thing there. So, so the, um, the, the Eagle or the jets rather will, will get their, uh, their special quarterback back onto the field. And Mike, mm-hmm. White, I just always find interesting. Quarterbacks that won't be on the field this week, though, man, we got some of them. Uh, we already saw one that wasn't on the field this past week, uh, or this past Thursday, rather. Titans placed quarterback Ryan Tannehill on season-ending IR due to an ankle injury. He had surgery an ankle. Um, I think the Titans' season are, is over. I don't think they're going to wind up making the playoffs here. Do you? You know, um, there is, if they can give Derrick Henry the football and he can start running people over like he's supposed to, they could sneak past the Jacksonville Jaguars and take the AFC South. Uh, you know, they're half a game back, you know, and the Tennessee Titans this week, you know, they are playing. They lost to the Colts on Thursday night yep, football. Yep. They, okay. They lost. The, okay. You're right. They or lost the Cowboys rather. Yep, they lost to the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. So, you know, that's part of the reason why they're half a game back. So uh, they're looking – obviously they're going to have – you know, they're looking for Jacksonville to lose against the Texans. But, uh, you know, but the last week of the season, uh, the Tennessee Titans have uh, Jack, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, who knows? You know, which you know, all these times are to be determined, They're you know, because, because of the, the playoff implications – you know, we could see a game that we originally thought was going to be a one o'clock game to be a Sunday night football game. Because right. again, it's like one of the most important you know games of the season. So it, it's it's a sh- it's going to be a showdown. You know, if Jacksonville can pull off the win and uh, you know get to eight and eight, get to five hundred today you know, this week, then uh, the the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars may very well vie uh, for the AFC South, if not clinch overall. Yep, and you mentioned Derrick Henry. He did miss Thursday night's football game due to a hip injury. He was out. So, I mean, I we we have yet to see what's going to happen with Derrick Henry. I'm a firm believer that if Derrick Henry is not on the field against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that it's the Jags division to take yep. at this point. Um, so we do have that. Other quarterbacks that have aren't going to be on the field, uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. He's listed as doubtful to play Sunday versus the Saints. Uh, the Eagles are optimistic that he'll be returning to the field soon, but as of this I, week, he is not likely to play due to that shoulder injury that he suffered a couple weeks ago. Let him sit. You know, Gardner Mishnu is definitely filling in the backup role very nicely. You know, you still have A.J. Brown, you still have Devontae Smith, and you still have Miles Sanders. You know, we haven't talked a lot about Miles Sanders, you know, in, in performance-wise, but, you know, you got two weeks and you're, you're riding high on the hog. I mean, the only thing you're really clawing for is the number one seed. 
you know, and you know, you have the team to to get it done the rest of these two games. And if we take a look at the Eagles schedule, you know, they obviously have, you know, they have the, the saints to, they have the saints on Sunday and then they have the New York football giants to re, to write, to uh, round out the year. So, you know, giants have been fool's gold this year. We know that. So I would probably just sit Jalen hurts out the rest of the year and you know, see if you can hold on to that number one seed so you get another break, you know, in the playoffs. And then when the division round comes up, gas up and get get ready to go. Yeah, I agree. And and the, it's great that that they have a good quarterback in Gardner Minshew that's playing really solid in their system. He's going to have his work cut out for him though, because Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson is out for the rest of the season due to Oof. a abdominal injury. Um, the playoffs are to be determined. So for the regular season, he's out, but. We'll see if he'll make his way back into the playoffs. That is a Pro Bowl caliber tackle there um, that watches the the uh, uh, the right side. So that that's going to be something. Uh, another quarterback that's going to be uh, missing some time, uh, continue missing time anyway in this case, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. He's getting better, but he's expected to miss his fourth straight game due to a knee injury. Tyler Huntley's to get his fourth straight start versus the Steelers. The Ravens have clinched a playoff spot at this point. I don't see any reason to rush Lamar back at this nope. point. And I don't think that they're going to wind up getting the bye. They're not even close. So, I mean, it's kind of a smart move on the Ravens end to just say, all right, let's uh, let Tyler Huntley finish the year. I think they're, they're going to be just fine. Um, but Lamar, you know, don't rush him back, but he's going to be missing some time here. I'd, you hope you have him back by playoff time, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think he's like your only chance of making a deep run in the playoffs. You know, Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things will get you deep. But I mean, you're, you're going to be staring down the barrel of the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cincinnati, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, three of the best teams in the NF, in the AFC for certain and arguably in the NFL. So, you know, it's going to be tough sledding in the playoffs. You know, it's good that they got there, you know, and, and oddly enough, I believe uh, that Cincinnati, uh, I believe they're destined to clash on week 18 they are it is going to probably be an afc north championship match in week 18 and that'll you know determine who gets the higher seed very big you know very big development brewing here yeah the ravens i mean they they could wind up pulling out if they pull off a win versus the steelers uh tomorrow night in sunday night football you're gonna have a showdown between the bengals and the ravens because the ravens uh the if you look at it on monday night football the bengals are taking on the bills so you could have a showdown between the two of them for the division title. It'll be a fun one, and maybe Lamar will be back by then. Who knows? But we'll see. Um, that would be a fun matchup. That could be a flexed-out kind of game. So we we could see some entertaining stuff going on there. I mean, if you and and really, we'll talk about the schedule shortly. But I see a a multitude of games. The NFL set this up beautifully. I see a multitude of games that could be flexed out to primetime positions. You know, based on divisional matchups and, and uh, teams that could take their division. So it, it gets exciting. Um, other quarterback that won't play this week to a tongue of a low won't be playing this week versus the Patriots due to you guessed it, a concussion. Bridgewater uh, is set to start this week uh, Tua, a, you know, you, you alluded to it earlier when we were talking about the scores Tua suffers a concussion. Somebody kind of pointed out in a video, Hey, look, he's concussed. Um, and here we are. Tua is not, you know, going to be in due to a concussion this upcoming week. I mean, 
it, I feel like this poor guy is just, you know, like it, it's starting to look like, uh, uh, old Billy Bob there from, from, uh, uh, oh God, what is that movie where they just have a counter for all his concussions going on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, it, 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 you know, this is just, uh, you know, another affront to oh, the, the, oh, the, it's, it's Billy Bob from varsity blues. Varsity Blues, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely an affront to the Dolphins organization. It's an affront to uh, the medical staff that 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 they fired midseason because of the misdiagnosis and the rushed back to the field that led to the Thursday night football where he, you know his finger was broken and he was just sitting on the ground. Uh, so, you know, just just another continuation and another. You know, like oh, he's gonna, he's gonna, it's gonna affect the rest of his career. Yeah, it certainly will. And you know, this can it couldn't have come at a worse time because they are hanging on for dear life uh, for the for the last two playoff spots, and uh, they do have a division rival in the Patriots this week, and for Week 18, they also have the New York Football Jets. So they have two divisional games back to back. I will say. That, that they do have a very high-end backup in Teddy Bridgewater coming in to take over. I mean, that's that's about as high-end of a backup as you can get, right? I would think so. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think – I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head that's a better backup. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, because, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater for a while was a starting quarterback, not a very good one, but, you know, he, he could – you know, he, he, he has – the. He does have the ability to carry a team to the playoffs. Uh, I I agree, and especially if you have weapons like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. I mean, you can't miss. Right, and and also uh, a lot of people haven't been have been sort of sleeping on Trent Sherfield as well as the number three over there. He's having himself a hell of a year too. So uh, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater set to get the start. Also, quarterback uh, Raiders bench quarterback Derek Carr. They've named uh, Jared Stidham as their new starting quarterback. Devontae Ooh. Adams is unhappy about the switch. Carr and Adams are likely to be traded from the Raiders this offseason. A lot of rumors that they both want out at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do, do you think Devontae is is missing Aaron Rodgers at this point? I don't know if he's missing Aaron Rodgers. I know Aaron Rodgers is missing him. I, yeah. can t- I guarantee you that. Um, but as far as Derek Carr goes, the question I had earlier, you know, we talked about, you know, teasing the fact that he could possibly go to New York. It's a possibility or a, a figurative, they can go to New Orleans Saints. Where do you think he ends up? You know, I, I have a feeling that because because of the Saints draft situation and the the uh, cap space situation, you could see him wind up with New Orleans Saints. I think you could see him wind up in – there's a number of different places he could go. There's a lot of quarterback-needy teams. I don't think Derek Carr is an outside-of-the-top-32 quarterback here. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Derek Carr is – great i do think Derek carr is sort of a, a low to middle low to middle of the pack and, and on the very high end Derek carr is like a middle of the pack quarterback which is great on a very low end i think Derek carr is you know pushing around 28 to 30 um as mm-hmm. far as the the top 32 quarterbacks go but i do think Derek carr is a good quarterback i do think if, in, if he goes to the right system he's going to be doing some awesome things he's going to be something special there are teams that are quarterback needy, uh, teams like Carolina, quarterback needy. You're, you're, you're going to, you know, I mean, the Colts technically are quarterback needy, and I know that they've gone through and and kind of picked up 
you know, every free agent quarterback under the sun by a trade or whatever the case may be, or by a free agency like they did with, with Nick Foles, he could wind up in several places at this point. And, and a lot of them would be decent fits for him. Um, if Aaron Rodgers retires, you could see him going, going to the Packers, but who knows, maybe Jordan Love is going to want to be there, but Jordan Love has requested a trade. I mean, there are several things that, that are in place uh, for a guy like Derek Carr to wind up getting paid. Um, I don't know that he, I mean, obviously he's not going to get paid huge money. He's probably going to get paid like Jared Goff money right now, which Jared Goff is getting, I think, paid low 20s right now. So Derek Carr will probably be getting paid that kind of money. But both him and Devontae wanting, wanting out kind of speaks to the fact that the Raiders are about to go into a complete rebuild. And I think it's kind of funny that that um, your brother Andrew became a, a – uh, uh, a Raiders fan. And, and as soon as he becomes a Raiders fan, they fall apart. <laughs> they <laughs> jinxed him. Who knows? Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to call this the curse of Bobby Lane either, but you know, it's definitely a uh, suspect. Um, it, it, it's the curse of Andrew Steele. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, definitely, definitely something is afoot here. Uh, make no mistake about it. And I think Josh McDaniel is, uh, you know, point on scene, you know, the biggest culprit here. And, and you know, I think he's out at the end of this year. You think so? Think he's done? Yeah. I, well, I don't know. It's all up to the Raiders organization. You know, the, you know their incompetence made show and they may, you know, he'll stay another year. And the old, well, they're, they're quickly circling the toilet bowl. I mean, they don't really have any players. And I don't know what their cap space situation is like. I don't know what their draft situation is like. But, <laughs> you know, if Josh McDaniel stays on for another year, I don't think we're going to see a successful season from the Las Vegas Raiders. I agree. And, and the team that he kind of, um, you know, flushed down the toilet originally, the Denver Broncos had some stuff going on this week too. Oh boy. Uh, first of all, the Broncos fired head coach Nathaniel Hackett after disastrous season. Uh, Russ, Good. Wilson, Russ Wilson is reportedly devastated by the firing. Um, a lot of people are saying that Russ Wilson is the problem. Broncos GM George Payton says that they believe that Russ Wilson is fixable, according. Mm. Um, what, what, really, you really think so? <laughs> you really think you can get him back to to cooking filet mignon? I mean, I don't, I, I don't trust him to cook spam, much yeah. less, you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't I know mean, what the hell that means. He's fixable. I mean, yeah, no. Well, here, here's the deal. I mean, he's in his 30s. You know, he's right around like the the top end of his prime. He's no longer the Russell Wilson we remember from Seattle. And this whole year, this entire year, has been nothing but a comedy of errors. Yeah, the Nathaniel, the Nathaniel Hackett firing is absolutely appropriate. The guy was a bum. You know, and <laughs> I laugh when I hear that that uh, you know, oh, I'm devastated about the why. <laughs> why it makes no i mean i obviously russell wilson knows more than i do about the situation but the, the fact of the matter is what i'm looking at what i see is a dumpster fire of a team that needs to that needs to be gutted yep i agree i think and i do think that nathaniel uh, hackett firing was 100 percent appropriate in the situation it, it makes total sense and then on top of it, uh, the denver broncos they got stomped out this last week by the rams 51 to 14 but after the game, their pass rusher Randy Gregory and Rams offensive lineman Ode Abushi, they get into a fight after the game. The league suspends both men for several games. They appeal it. They have the suspension lowered to one game apiece. 
Oh my gosh. Just, it's too dumb. <laughs> you're out of the, you're both out of the playoffs. What, what's the point? You know, the Rams got eliminated, you know, super early, you know, they get the earliest a Super Bowl team's ever been eliminated and the Denver Broncos, you know, they've been out since, oh gosh, I can even remember that, you know, they're, they're a hot mess. So right. what? What's the point of appealing a suspension? You're on the couch already. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's silly as all hell. Oh, here, let me go get suspended and lose money on top of getting my ass handed to me on the field. Seems fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's atrocious. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's too dumb. Um, elsewhere around that division, the Chargers, they designate defensive end Joey Bosa to return from IR after being placed on it earlier this year due to a, gro- a groin injury. Um, <clears throat> you know, the uh, the Chargers couldn't be getting him back at a better time. They just made absolutely, the- And they're getting him back. I mean, that's a, a great player to have back for playoff time. Uh, you know, we've been talking, Tyler and I have been talking about the Chargers and the Bills for the last couple of years here and how they're kind of on the up and up. Here we are both the Chargers and the Bills in the playoffs. <clears throat> We've got the uh, uh, Joey Bosa and company. I mean, here we go. The Chargers, maybe they're going to be the the special surprise team. Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, who knows? But, um, you know, the, it, it's exciting to have Joey Bosa back for the playoffs, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, one of the, you know, th- when you hear the name Bosa, you think defense. Yep. You know, a Nick Bosa is, you know, an absolute monster in San Francisco. His little brother, Joey, is, you know, as much of a monster, you know, as, as a defensive player, you know, really getting some work done for the Chargers. Yes, it's yes, they've clinched the playoff spot, but, you know, you're going to want to make sure that, you know, he's ready to go for the playoffs because, you know, <laughs> you know, they say defense wins championships. It's yep. a it's a tremendous boon. Uh, for the for the for the Los Angeles Chargers, so and you know they got they have the Rams, so we're gonna have a SoFi Stadium showdown uh, this Sunday at 4:25. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happen, you know, if they if they can take Baker Mayfield and knock him down a couple pegs. Yeah, and one guy that's not going to be on the field, Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald. He had got ruled out for that Broncos game last week due to an ankle injury. He's unlikely to play again in 2022. Uh, he mm-hmm. was talking about a potential retirement this past offseason. Do you think Aaron Donald's done? I mean, that that would be something, right? I mean, he's still he's what thirty years old. I mean, I, I don't, he's I don't got know a he's done. Yeah, he's got a couple of good years left in him. I mean, it would definitely be uh, you know uh, devastating news for the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, just one more thing to go wrong in this dumpster fire of a season of theirs. Yep. Uh, but you know, to your point. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, you're 30 years old, sure. But, you know, you still got, you still got some gas in the tank, you know, uh, you know, maybe if he just takes some time and rests, you know, and, and they, you know, they do good in the, you know, not going to do good in the draft. They don't have any draft picks, yeah. at least not till the second round. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe there's one more, one or two more years left on Aaron Donald's or Donald's schedule. But then again, you know, maybe the draft situation is playing into it. Yeah. And and he could very well be realize that this team has no future, and they they kind of sold their future for that Super Bowl and that magic moment, and they got it. But here we are, you know, the we we could be seeing a potential retirement out of him. And one guy that did retire this past week, Cardinals defensive end J.J. Watt, he's set to retire after this season. 
says that he's known for a little while, and it's just the right time. He played 12 seasons in the NFL, won the Defensive Player of the Year award three separate times when he was with the Houston Texans. You know, J.J. Watt, uh, especially at the the latter part of his career, has been very injury prone. We've seen that. Um, and and here we are. He's he's just getting ready to hang him up. I, I He's had a hell of a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best defensive ends of all time. I don't know that he's uh, going to go down as as a Hall of Fame guy because of where he played, which is unfortunate. But he right. really is a special player. Three time defensive defensive player of the year. Um, Texans did make the playoffs with him a few times, you know, when he was there. I, I mean, what do you think of old uh, uh, J.J. Watt? Definitely the end of an era. Um, you know, you know how, what how significant that era is is up for debate, but it definitely is. You know, Jay, you know, <laughs> you know, Chris Berman always called him Jerry George Swat. You know, <laughs> and I think he had the you know definitely had an ability to really get downhill and you know either sack the quarterback or at least prevent the pass from getting off. So. You know, absolutely dynamic player, and uh, you know the league is, you know, you know defensive players are probably going to become a premium in this league. Uh, well, they already have been, right. you know. But but a player of the caliber of JJ Watt, you know, absolutely is uh, a, a generational you know, talent. Yes, generational talent, no no doubt. Yep. Yeah, and and uh, speaking of the the Houston Texans, uh, we 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 talked about them a little bit, but. Texans offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil is seeking a new deal this offseason. He says he wants to reset the market, meaning he wants to he expects to be the highest paid offensive tackle in the history of the game. Huh? New deal after having a very strong year with the Texans. He had a 79.9 PFF grade, a 91.1 pass blocking grade, and a 68.4 run blocking grade. Uh, Laramie mm-hmm. Tunsil is a really good player. Obviously, they they got Laramie Tunsil in that trade with Miami a few years ago. Um now he wants that deal. They're, they're going to have to pay up or, or lose him. I don't know that Laramie Tunsil is worth being paid uh, as the highest offensive tackle in all of football. Yeah. I, I do think he's a really good player. Um, kind of a weird situation here, and it kind of puts the, the Texans a little bit in a bind. What do you make of this? Well, first of all, uh, you know, I think it's just one of those things where you're just trying to flash to get some extra cash. You know, I mean, you, you have the you have the skills and the talent to back it up, but I mean, so I, you know, I think it kind of sounds like a bluff to me. You know, it's 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 a it's a little bit of a bluff. You know, you know, the the man has skill and the man has talent, absolutely. But and the Texans, you know, they need all the help they can get on the offensive line. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they've been a absolute dumpster fire this year. But do you really think they're going to fall completely apart because of the fact of, of an offensive tackle going somewhere else? I mean, it's not, it's not ideal, yeah. but at the same time, you're probably going to want that cap space to, you know, to draft, you know, a strong rookie class and, you know, go out in a free agency and, you know, get, get a suitable replacement. You yeah. know, the one that's not going to want to be the highest paid offensive tackle in football. You know, it's a little, it's a little. Um, I don't want to say it's obnoxious. It's the first. It's the first word that came to my mind. But the more I think about it, I think it's, it's a little heavy-handed. I mean, you know, it, it's warranted, but I don't think it's going to go the way he's expecting. Yeah, uh, this upcoming season, the Texans do have forty-six million dollars in cap space to play around with. Um, so I don't know that they're going to wind up keeping Laramie Tunsil on board. I, I do think Tunsil's a good player. He's twenty-eight years old, so he is entering his prime, or he is in his prime as it currently stands. But 
you know, expecting he's going to he's expecting to get the bag. And I don't think that the Houston Texans are going to be able to give him the bag, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and so Laramie Tunsil, I mean, we'll see what, what he gets paid moving into this offseason. But, man, that's that's going to be an awful lot of money for whoever decides to bring him on board. Uh, elsewhere around that division, the Colts interim head coach Jeff Saturday says he'll be sticking with quarterback Nick Foles this Sunday in spite hmm. of three interception performance versus the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, on one end, I hate it. And then on the other end, I understand it because, mm-hmm. you know, Sam Ellinger was kind of or Ellinger, whatever the hell or the hell you pronounce his name. Who gives a shit? The guy <laughs> is is an, a dumpster fire. He's a joke. And then you got Nick Foles, who he's proving to be a joke now. I mean, I, I mean, get it. Do, but do you go back to Matt Ryan? I mean, Matt Ryan is pretty much on the tail end of his career, too. Well, Matt Ryan is is out for the year, I believe. I, I think he's done for the year as well. I, I just, I, it, it's kind of whatever at this point. I mean, I understand just kind of throwing throwing foals out there and hoping for the best. I mean, I mean, at this point, I mean, fuck it, throw Sam Ellinger out there and let him let him, you know, if he loses, he loses. Who cares, right? I mean, they're they're, they're eliminated from the playoffs. You know, yeah, the best they could do is play spoiler, and who knows? They're, you know, who are they going to spoil? Because they only have uh, the New York Giants, and then they have the Houston Texans to round out the year. So it's like the 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 best, the worst that they, the the wor- the most ruckus they can make is is having the Giants lose. Yeah. That's really all they can do. Stick Sam Ellinger in the game. Go lose a couple of games. Go get a better better draft pick. Yes. And you know, really. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. Uh, go go lose a couple of games. Go go get yourself a high end draft pick and go get your quarterback of the future because there's going to be a few out there that they can get. If you can get a guy like a C.J. Stroud, who I'm really high on, if you can get a Hendon Hooker, who I know we're both high on, yep. if you can get one of those guys and set up your team for the future of your your franchise, that's what you got to do. You know, so go lose a couple of football games. Go put Sam Ellinger out there. See if you got anything in the kid. If you don't, which we we all know you don't, but go just. Throw them out there. Say fuck it. You you have two games left. Make it make sense. You know? do you, yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think Jeff Saturday sticks around as a head coach at the end of this year? I don't think so. I no. think they're going to be in the market for a head coach. I think Saturday filled in very admirably for them, uh, given his lack of experience. But uh, I I do think that they they're going to go out and find themselves a new head coach this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, speaking of of quarterback stuff that went on with the Colts um former Colts quarterback former Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz is expected to get the start in week 17 for the Washington Commanders um yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it at the first part of the show this is yeah. a disaster this is a disaster because yeah. who do they keep playing for Taylor Heineke exactly Heineke got benched in week 16 for no good reason it was stupid I don't understand what the hell Ron Rivera is doing over there I, I question it all the time when he makes these these weird knee jerk moves, and here we are, you know, <laughs> knee jerk <laughs> move if I've ever seen one. Yep, just doesn't make sense. Nope, not at all. And I mean, time will tell, and uh, you know, we'll see. It's on Sunday with Cleveland, but you know, especially if he gets hurt again, you know, because because Carson Wentz is injury prone. He's been injury prone his whole career, you know, and. He, you know, statistically, he might be the better quarterback, but you know, but situationally, Taylor Heineke is probably the better quarterback, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, Tyler Taylor Heineke is is the better quarterback of the two, and they play harder for him. Um, it, the the whole situation just it doesn't make sense to me. And and you, the big problem for them was the fact that they couldn't get the run game going, not the fact that Taylor Heineke was out there at quarterback. And and maybe they should be looking at Brian Robinson because Brian Robinson wasn't the guy that was getting it done. So I I just I don't understand it. I just don't. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. But but hey, they're going to do what they're going to do. And if they wind up screwing their playoff chances because they decided to start Carson Wentz, hey, have fun. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Ron Rivera, uh, his former team, and it, they, they go out and sign a former Washington Commanders corner, uh, the Panthers. They signed cornerback Josh Norman uh, and, and J.C. Horn, their, cor- their starting corner, J.C. Horn, he underwent uh, wrist surgery. Uh, so they go out and sign a veteran corner and Josh Norman, who, who's been around this league for quite some time. It's a decent signing. I think it's a good fill-in. The Panthers' season is basically over. They needed some veteran presence there. They're technically still in the fight for the division there, which <laughs> yeah. is sanity to me. Um, so I understand the, the move. I understand why they did it. It's just kind of a, you know, for now type of thing. But, hey, fuck it, right? I mean, <laughs> Josh Norman, he's a decent corner, and uh, they're going to they're gonna slide him into that starting role, I think, right off the rip. Uh, what do you think of this? You know, I think it's it's not a bad move, you know, especially if the last two games of your season are division games and right. you have an opportunity to swipe the division from the Buccaneers and the Saints. Uh, you know, they got the Saints this they got the Bucks this week, they got the Saints next week. So, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Carolina can take that performance against Detroit and catapult themselves into the NFC playoff picture. Right. Uh, as a four seed, you know, so they'd host a playoff game, which is insanity. But, um, you know, especially since, you know, they had the, they had the horrible start. They had Baker Mayfield, they had PJ Walker, and then they fired their head coach in week five. And, you know, all of a sudden Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, you know, uh, started, you know, setting the world on fire. So, and, you know, so this is next, this is a good signing, you know, uh, it, time will tell to see if they're, if, if uh, they're ready to go, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, the, the Panthers are second in the South. They do have a showdown with the Buccaneers this week. If they do beat the Bucs, then the Bucs wind up as 7-9. and nine. The Panthers would be 7-9. and nine. And and we could be having a completely different conversation moving into Week 18. So a, a very interesting situation happening and unfolding there in the NFC South. But the Panthers, they go out and get themselves a corner. They're taking it seriously. They want to they get out there and, and win that division. So, hey, good on them. Um, Speaking of corners around the league, uh, Bengals corner Eli Apple accuses Patriots Mac, quarterback Mac Jones of a dirty play after Jones mm. a low chop block on Apple. Yeah. Uh, Jones uh, could be facing a fine for the hit. I believe he was fined for the hit. Um, it was a dirty play uh, by Mac Jones. These types of hits don't, you know, we talked about, you know, the helmet to helmet shot that we saw the other week. Um, yep or last week and and by Derwin James these are the again the type of things that that have no business in the game of football trying to take out a guy's legs and you know give him high ankle sprains and whatever else it was a dirty play dirty block um that type of shit doesn't doesn't belong in football and also with the Patriots though current Alabama offensive coordinator and former Patriots offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien could be making a return to the Patriots for the 2024 season next year uh Bill O'Brien, he was a former head coach with the the Houston Texans. Uh, they let him go. Frankly, I don't think he was the problem over there with Houston. He w- brought them to the playoffs on several occasions. 
I like Bill O'Brien a lot. I think he's a really good offensive mind. I, I think this will be brilliant for them to bring him back on board. Don't you? Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, under and having Bill Belichick as your head coach, you know, you know that we might be seeing another resurgence, not necessarily a Tom Brady esque resurgence, but a resurgence nonetheless in New England. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I think Bill O'Brien was the only guy to come off that Belichick tree to be remotely successful in the NFL as a head coach, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, Matt Patricia was a dumpster fire. Josh McDaniels is a dumpster fire. Uh, you know, this guy we haven't seen, we haven't heard too much about him as being a bad. Uh, you know, a bad coach. So, like, you know what? You know, he's he, he is probably the only coach that come out of under the Belichick umbrella that hasn't, you know, st- you know, stunk up the room. You yeah. know, um, <laughs> granted, he's 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 working with a Texans team that's looking at the bottom of the NFL and the number one draft pick. But you know, to your to his credit, you know, he did also take Houston to the playoffs a couple times. So to get him back in the playoffs, the Patriots organization. You know, it's it's a it's a major coup. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that would be be something really special for the Patriots to get them back in the uh, the driver's seat because their offense has been a little stagnant this year. Um, so that we could see, you know, Bill O'Brien making his way back in. And just remember, Bill O'Brien for a lot of those Tom Brady years, Bill O'Brien was that offensive coordinator. So I, I think that's that's worth noting and worth mentioning. I think people people forget about that and just how good of an offensive coordinator he was. Um, speaking of, of stagnant offenses, uh, Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, he missed practice on Wednesday due, a hand, due to a hand and thumb injury, um, says he isn't worried about his status for Sunday versus the Vikings. Uh, how much do you think this is going to affect Aaron Rodgers in this game? Well, um, you're facing off against a Minnesota Vikings team, uh, that's riding pretty high and they're in, you know, they're in the playoffs. They've clinched the division early, you know, uh, they're in green Bay. You know they're in, they're in, they're at Lambeau, so, so uh, you know, it, it, you know, time will tell to see if uh, if that's going to be a problem or not. But uh, as far as you know, you know, the old hand jam here. You know, look what happened to Russell Wilson after his hand jam. He turned into a horrible chef. You know, Rogers has been struggling all year long. Uh, you know, he, you know, Rogers is the master of you know, oh, well, you know, uh, relax, R E L A X, relax. But uh, I don't think it's going to work out this year. I think, you know, and I'm seriously hoping to God that the Minnesota Vikings open up a can of whoop ass and you know send this cheesehead, put him in the cap, put him on the couch where he belongs, and and I'm hoping that his performance is so bad he contemplates retirement. Yeah, me too. I'm so sick and tired of Aaron Rodgers. Um, one guy that that may be trying to prevent it, that those types of things to happen to Aaron Rodgers is the Packers. Uh, Elton Jenkins. He signed a, a four-year, sixty-eight million dollar deal with the the Packers. I think this is a great signing for them. He's a great offensive lineman. Um, he's done a great job this year and really through the past several years. I, I like Elton Jenkins a lot. Um, smart signing for them, right? To protect their their fifty million dollar quarterback. Absolutely. You know, you got you got to protect the blind side. Um, but you know, you know, it's it's a it's a good signing. Yeah, absolutely. And last but not least, the Browns they signed right tackle Jack Conklin to a four-year, sixty million dollar extension. Uh, Conklin, he's he was really good for the t- for the uh, Tennessee Titans for several years there. He went to the Browns, had a few injury issues, but they bring him back. He's had himself a decent season. Uh, Jack Conklin, I mean, he's a good player. 
I've I've always liked Jack Conklin. Um, you know, a higher end uh, uh, offensive tackle. So I mean, right now this year Conklin has a seventy nine point eight pass blocking grade. Believe it or not. So I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's that's something really special. He's sixty seven point seven overall according to PFF and a fifty two point nine run blocking grade. That might be the only problem for him is his run blocking. Um, run blocking and just staying healthy. But last year, I mean, a 78.8 overall grade, an 86 run blocking grade. So, I mean, we, we'll see what happens with old, old Jack Conklin and how he does there, but he does get a bag there four years, $60 million. He gets his extension. And that is our news around the league. Alex, we got one more thing to, uh, mm-hmm. or one more bit of business to take care of. Um, so moving into our, uh, our, um, Predictions this week, our picks. Uh, right now, Tyler with the lead. He's got a two game lead 151, 87 and two. I'm 149, 89 and two. You are 146, 92 and two. And Andrew is 139, 92 or 99 and two. Um, Andrew rounding out the bottom there. He's got about 10, well, he's about eh, seven games behind you, 10 behind me, 12 behind Tyler. So I mean, that's. <laughs> Got some work to do to catch up in the next two weeks, but I, I think Andrew is about cooked as far yep. as the picks go. Um, I'll tell you what, though, you have come roaring back in the pick department here. I, I mean, you're you're three behind me. At one point, you were double digits behind me, and you came roaring back over these last several weeks to be mm. behind me. So, um, hell yeah, man! <laughs> hell yeah! <laughs> so it'll be interesting. It'll be fun, you know, to see. I'm gonna have to, you know, adjust my strategy here. Uh, so go ahead. So, I mean, and, and uh, I'm doing this live too. Uh, we're doing it live. <laughs> yeah, we're going live. You know, uh, we, we usually, usually I have you, uh, send the picks over, you know, everybody send their picks in because, um, uh, you know, I, I, we'd like to have them in front of us and, and sometimes it's, it's just easier that way to, to already have them in front of us. But I said, Hey, fuck it. You want to do them live? Let's do them live. And, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to do these things live. So. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, uh, let's jump right in here. Here are predictions for week 17 in the NFL. Starting out with the, we had the Cowboys versus the Titans. Um, I had picked the Cowboys. I know you had picked the Cowboys. I know Ant picked the Cowboys. Um, all of us picked the Cowboys. Tyler picked the Cowboys as well. So, uh, yeah, just a, uh, a hell of a time there. Um, I don't have Tyler's picks in front of me. Uh, we'll see if I can get those from him this week. Uh, if not, it is what it is, but... Um, yeah, the Cowboys across the board. Next up, we got the Cardinals and the Falcons. Um, you know, this is the, the Cardinals are a mess. The Falcons kind of, you know, they had Trace McSorley on the field. I don't think he was anything special. They're going to have even more junky quarterback play. I'm going with the Falcons here. I, I think the Falcons are going to wind up getting this one. You know, I think that's interesting because, so, you know, Andrew uh, went ahead and picked the Atlanta Falcons as well. And if you're going with the Atlanta Falcons, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to go ahead and uh, play spoil. You know, okay. So, so the situation is that you know, uh, Kyler, is Kyler Murray still hurt? Kyler Murray is out for the season, torn ACL, clean tear. Oof, that is no good. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury is you know pretty much standing on a cliff. You know what? I am going to go with the Atlanta Falcons as well. It's going to be a close game. You know, I I'm going to I'm going to. You know, let's just take a look and see what the over/under is. Uh, I mean, I can't see it from where I'm at now, but I am gonna—I am going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna go with the Cardinals 
but I think it's going to be by a field goal. Wow. You know, it's going to be it's going to be close. I mean, it's not like it's going to be a, a thrashing, but you know, you know, uh, kicker you is uh, going to be the uh, deciding factor in that one. So, so you're going to the Cardinals or the Falcons? Oh, I apologize. I am going with the Atlanta Falcons. All right. Um, next up, we got Dolphins and the Patriots. You know, uh, Teddy Bridgewater said to get the start here. You know, Bill Belichick gets really crafty in these situations uh, when he's taking on a, a, uh, a backup quarterback technically. But Teddy, this is no ordinary backup quarterback. It's Teddy Bridgewater. He started in this league. He started and did a great job with the uh, Carolina Panthers when he started for them. I'm over here thinking, you know what? It's Tyreek Hill and company. I'm going with the Finns here. I think they're going to gonna kick the crap out of the, uh, the Patriots, and they're going to kind of punch their ticket. I'm going with the Dolphins. Well, um, we mentioned earlier that the Patriots' defense is something to not, to not sleep on, and it is a divisional game. And if we take a look at the standings, uh, the New England Patriots are one game back from the Miami Dolphins. You know, if they if they can if they can get a couple wins, they can they can sneak in into that 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 wild card spot. And so, I am going to play upset here. I'm gonna I'm in, a, in an attempt to catch up. I am going to pick the New England Patriots. Ooh, there you go, there you go. That's how you catch up. That's gonna be a good one. Yep. I'm actually excited. It's, it's going it's gonna be another close one. You know, yep. it, it's gonna. I think. <laughs> You know, I don't know who's going to start between Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, but uh, I think it's I'm, I'm I'm going with the New England defense. That's that's my uh, that's my uh, light line there. Yeah. Uh, next up, Eagles and Saints. Uh, I think this one's a no-brainer. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles. They are the the top dogs in the NFC, and they're going to continue to prove it. E A G L E S Eagles. Yep. Uh, Andrew went with the Eagles as well. There, uh, no-brainer, no doubt. Uh, next up, Colts and the Giants. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Giants here. The G-Men, uh, I just, I really think that, um, you know, the Colts are kind of cooked. And if they're going to put Nick Foles out there this week, that's going to be a nightmare. You know, I agree with that. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, maybe, but no. Uh, G-Men, I'm picking, I'm going with the G-Men. Yeah, I, I, me too. I, I just think that's in, not even in question. Uh, next up, another fun one, uh, division in- implications here. Panthers and the Bucks. If the Bucks win, they clinch the NFC South. The Panther- Panthers win. They're tied with the Bucks, and they have a chance to take it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Panthers here. I think they're riding high. They got that great win last week. I think the Bucks are kind of iffy. That run game is just scary of the Panthers. I'm going with the Panthers. You know, I agree with that. You know, it- it's a great pick, you know. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I got to play catch up with Scott, right? <laughs> now, um, you know, granted, the Carolina Panthers had their be- had one of their best running games of the season against the Detroit Lions. So, um, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are definitely not much better than than the Lions. You know, um, you, you know, you know, I I think. You know, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Panthers myself. I'm going to be rooting for them because you know it's like you know what. You have that you have that crappy start to the season. You you claw your way back and you ha- and you get you run into the Devonte you got the you got the Dante Foreman situation going. I am going with the Carolina Panthers. Yep, and Andrew actually took the Bucks in this situation, so he's going with the, yeah. Yeah. the goat there. He he thinks they're going to clinch that thing. We'll see what happens, but that that division could be fun. It could have playoff implications. 
Uh, next up, the Broncos and the Chiefs. I mean, uh, this is a no-brainer to me as well. I think that the Broncos are a mess. I'm going with yep. the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, I, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> Russ Wilson is just a nightmare. Uh, next up, Bears and the Lions. Uh, I think the Bears are a joke. Uh, I'm going with the Lions here. I don't think it's a uh, up for debate. No, I, I don't think so either. I mean, it was a 30 to 31 game uh, in Chicago, and you know the Lions are playing at home. You know, I here's the thing. I expect the Lions to stomp out the Chicago Bears. Here's the problem, though. Justin Fields, you know, it can't. You know, he's busting Fields, but he can make some plays with his legs. And uh, Devin Mon- and you know Devin Montgomery is no slouch in the run department either. And as last week, you know, indicated, you know, they were a Swiss cheese run defense. You know, Carolina didn't really need to throw the ball. You know, they basically ran all over them. Right. Uh, that said, you know, this is the Chicago Bears we're talking about. So the Lions will get the W and to set up that epic showdown in Lambeau Field next week. Yeah, I think the Lions get the W here. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, he's lost a lot of steam. I, I will uh-huh. say he's lost a lot of steam since that that epic four-week run where he was putting up all those special numbers that everybody got all excited about. So, yeah, I, I really do think this is a Lions uh, game, and, and uh, we take we all took Lions across the board. Uh, next up, the Browns and the Commanders. You know, uh, the Commanders, they're, they're kind of in dire straits here. They're taking on a Browns defense. It's kind of iffy. I know Carson Wentz is coming in, but I'm still going with the Commanders. I don't, I, you know, you just don't know what Browns team is going to show up week over week here. I know Carson Wentz is coming in here, but I have a feeling that Carson Wentz is going to get it done. I'm going with the Commanders here. Okay, well, I am going to pick the Cleveland Browns. And, the, you know, number one, you know, I want the Commanders to drop a spot to give the Lions a better shot at the playoffs. But uh, uh, number two, you know, uh, the, you know the, the Cleveland Browns are definitely not a garbage team. You know, they're no. definitely a middle of the pack. And who knows, you know, Nick Chubb might uh, – you know, break one off and just, you know, start hitting them over the head, you know. And like you said, you know, Carson Wentz is out there. What's going to happen? You know, it, this is one of those those flip games where it's like, eh, you know, it could go either way. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm picking the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it could go either way. I agree with you. Nick Chubb, you know, like you said, it, the, the commanders have a good defense and, and they've been one of the better defenses this year. But uh, Nick Chubb, don't forget, he was leading the league in rushing at one point this year. So we'll, we'll see what he gets done against the, uh, the Commanders. Next up, Jags and Texans. I'm going with the Jags, man. I think the Jaguars are uh, they're on fire right now. I think they're ready to take that AFC South. I'm going with the Jags. Yep, I'm going with the Jaguars as well. And, uh, you know, the, obviously the Houston Texans are a complete dumpster fire. It's, it's a lost cause down there. Plus, you know, I think it's time. I think it's time that Doug Peterson returns to the playoffs. It's time for Trevor Lawrence to really uh, show his his medal. Hey, I don't know if they're going to make a deep playoff run, but I'm picking Jaguars here. Yeah, I think that, that there's something special about that team. There's something going on there, something special in Jacksonville right now. They're improving week over week. I think you're going to see them improve year over year. I think you're seeing Trevor Lawrence in a, a very special situation with Doug Peterson. So, I mean, hey, I'm, yeah, Jags all day. Uh, next up, the 49ers and the Raiders. We know the Raiders are a dumpster fire. We know that they're parading Jared Stenham out there. I'm going with yeah. the Niners here. This is not a question. Niners. You know, Brock Purdy is, you know, even if we were questioning Brock Purdy, I mean, he's going to, you know, drive a Mack truck over this team. And, 
you know, then they got, you know, they got the defense and they have uh, Debo, they've got CMC, you know, and, and Brock Purdy's playing amazing. So let's, let, I, I expect another good, stat, great stat line from Brock Purdy. Yeah, I, and, and by the way, uh, Andrew did go with the Jags in the last game, and we got 49ers across the board here as well. Yeah. Everybody's taking the Niners. Uh, next up, the Jets and the Seahawks. Jets have Mike White coming back out. Seahawks have been kind of iffy, but I think the Seahawks are starting to find that run game again. I mean, this is going to be kind of a fun one, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people realize. Yep. But in this case, I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. I think mm-hmm. the the Jets are kind of in a, a interesting little, kind of a, a weird, for, for uh, no pun intended, a little bit of a tailspin. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and go with the, the Seahawks on this one. You know, I am going to go ahead and pick, you know, because I, I need to catch up, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And yeah. here's why. You know, Mike White's coming back out. Garrett Wilson is most likely going to get the football. I would hope so, anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh... You know, again, if the Seahawks lose, you know, it gives it gives the Lions a better chance to make the playoffs. But and you know, Sauce Gardner's out there. You know, and, you know, Geno Smith is not like, you know, world a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, and he's going to be going up against the number one corner in the NFL. Uh, obviously, the run game is going to be uh, pivotal here uh, for the Seahawks, and as long as uh, uh, Mike White can get Garrett Wilson the football. Uh, among others, I think the Jets will pull it off. Hey, and and they, they may very well do it, but Mike White does give them their best chance to win right now, either, either him or Joe Flacco. But, hey, we'll see what they do. Uh, next up, the Vikings and the Packers. This one has playoff implications. If the Vikings win, the Packers are out. If the Vikings lose, the Packers still have an opportunity, and they'll have a showdown with the Lions as long as the Lions win this week. Um, kind of a fun one. I'm going with my Vikings here. I want to see Aaron Rodgers get eliminated. I believe that the Vikings are going to take that one down. I'm going. Uh, with grab your rock salt, and because you're only going to see me do this once. Skull, yeah. skull, yeah. skull, skull. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Send that cheesehead packing. Put him on the couch. I can't stand him and his stupid hair and his and his idiotic beard it just I, I want the vikings to go in there and just lay the smack down on that entire team so yeah. i'm going with the vikings yeah i'm with you there uh packers are favored in this game because i know they have a three-game win streak going on but hey i want my Vikings the, to just tear them up the same way they did in week one this year yeah the only thing that's really going to be a problem is that shell defense and and, and, it's, and it's aaron Rodgers. i mean come on he's a bad bad man you know, even with even with the the gutted receiver core that he has, and even though you know he doesn't have anywhere near the capability, I mean, he still has uh, he still has Alan Lazard. He still has Aaron. You know, uh, is AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones as the running backs? Yeah, yeah um, they're, they're the two uh, the one two punch there. It seems like they're they're almost alternating between the two. It's weird. Christian Watson and Patrick Peterson could be a very interesting matchup. You know, it'll it'll we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. If you remember Christian Watson, he got wide open on Patrick Peterson on the very first play from scrimmage in Week One, and yep. Aaron Rodgers overthrew him. But uh, yeah, that, this one's going to be entertaining as all hell. I'm going Vikings here, but uh, I I wouldn't surprise me if the Packers won. But I'm I'm going with the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, next up, the Rams and the Chargers. Uh, you know, I, the Rams have been weirdly hot. Chargers make the playoffs, though. 
Uh, Chargers getting Bosa back soon. I, I I think the Chargers are riding high. The Rams, I know they just beat the brakes off of the Broncos, but I don't think Baker Mayfield does that again. I'm going with the Chargers. Okay, this is another instance where I got to catch up. I mean, I agree with you. I think the Chargers have the edge in this game, but I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams. You know, it, it's it's a gamble because um, you know again they, they they beat the brakes off the Denver Broncos. You know, that, that Russell Wilson, you know, fraud sham of team. You know, this is definitely different. And you got Joey Bosa on the other side of the field. So, you know, the defense is, the quality of defense has risen significantly. Uh, but you you, you got to feel supercharged after dropping 50 points on an NFL team, even if it is the Denver Broncos. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Rams. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Rams won this game. Uh, but I, I just have a feeling that the Chargers are just excited um, because they, they are in the playoffs. I think they're going to take that excitement and uh, just beat the brakes off the Rams. They have a SoFi Stadium matchup this week, which is kind of fun. Yep. Uh, next up, Steelers and the Ravens. Uh, you know, Steelers, they, they're kind of a mess. They're, they're basically eliminated. Uh, Ravens, though, if they, they win this game and and the next game, this game, and the next game we're going to talk about have are kind of going hand in hand. So if the Ravens win this game and the Bengals lose their next their game, then we have a, a divisional championship matchup for next week. Ravens versus the Steelers. For now, I'm going with the Ravens in this one. I think they're going to wind up beating the hell out of the Steelers. And um, yeah, I, I I really believe that we're going to wind up having that divisional championship showdown between the two of those teams, uh, the Bengals and the Ravens next week. Yep, I agree with you there. I was I was contemplating, you know, it's a divisional rivalry. You know, everything's different when, when it's a division game. But in this case, it's the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have enough uh, to, you know, even though Lamar Jackson's not on the field, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Tyler Huntley is going to have enough to, uh, is that his name? I apologize, but uh, yeah, but the, the Ravens are going to have enough to get it done, so I'm picking the Ravens. Yep. And last but not least, the game of the week, Monday Night Football. Man, this one's exciting. Bills and Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are red hot right now. The Bills are kind of on a down couple of weeks, but I'm yep. having a feeling, I'm having a strange feeling that the Bills are going to win this one, um, and the fever dream will come true. <laughs> I mean, I, I really want the Bills to win this game. Because if the Bills win, then we get that that showdown between the Ravens and the Bengals in Week 18. And if Lamar makes his way back to the field in Week 18, and we get Lamar Jackson versus Joe Burrow for the divisional championship of the AFC, uh, mm-hmm. the AFC uh, North, there, I, I'm kind of excited about that. That one makes me go, ooh. You know? <laughs> yep, it, it definitely it's definitely an exciting uh, prospect. But here's where here's where ketchup comes into play. Uh, I am going to pick the home team Bengals. Who day, who day? Like you said, yep. Uh, Joe Burrow and company have definitely, uh, you know, lit things on fire since their their rocky start. They have all three of their main wide receivers. They have T. Higgins. They have Jamar Chase. They have Tyler Boyd. You know, they have Joe Mixon. You know, they got to give Joe Mixon the football. Here's right. the deal. You know, if, if I think it's going to come down to the running game. You know, is it Devin Singletary and James Cook versus? Uh, you know, Joe Mixon. You know, I think Joe Mixon is by far the superior running back of the two. Uh, you know, Devin Singletary's definitely been making waves this year. 
But, you know, I think it's going to come down to Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs once again uh, and Joe Burrow and his receiver course. It's going to be a fun, fun game. But I'm picking the Bengals. Yeah, this one's going to be a showdown like like you wouldn't believe. I think it's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be a close one. This could go down as the game of the year. Um, you know, so far as it stands right now, the game of the year was that Bills Vikings game that happened. Holy smoked. Yeah. Um, but this one all has all of the makings of a game of the year situation. And uh, with that, those are our predictions. Uh, and also, Andrew took the Bills in that game. But those are our predictions for week 17 in the NFL. Alex, we're on the precipice here. We're almost to playoff time. Mm-hmm. You love it. I love it. I mean, this is the best time of the year, right? Absolutely. It's the most wonderful time of the year and the only be- only time better than that's Super Bowl. So uh, let's get at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we take off here, I want to give a shout out to our uh, sponsors over at It's Your Time Massage, IYTMassage.com. Check it out. If you're looking for a massage, I, I mean, y- it, there's no one better. IYTMassage.com. It's Your Time Massage. You can check her out on Facebook as well. I mean, uh, Amanda's a wonderful massage therapist. She does Swedish and deep tissue massages. She uses CBD. Um, you know, if, if at requests, I mean, it, it, it is fantastic. It is a wonderful experience. Um, I got my first professional massage from it's your time massage and it was an experience to say the least. Um, and as you know, Alex, you, you are a professional wrestler. I'm a professional wrestler. I know Tyler is a professional wrestler. We have all our whole group of friends basically is a bunch of wrestlers and our bodies get banged up. They get, uh, we get the hell beat out of ourselves and, um, you know, she was just a a uh, a lifesaver. It was a life changing experience. IYTMassage.com. I highly recommend it to anybody. Alex, are you going to get yourself a massage sometime soon? <laughs> sometime soon, you know. Um, I got I got to check my schedule, but at some point, you you best believe I'm going to be on that table. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you got to get yourself a massage over at uh, it's your time massage. Also, a shout out to Patch. Uh, I'm sorry, Patch Miracle Photography. Uh, they are a wonderful, wonderful photography team of Chantel and Andrew. They do amazing work. Um, they do wedding photos. They do graduation photos. They do maternity photos. They do, um, I mean, anything yep. you want, really. Uh, if you're looking to do a sexy boudoir shoot for that special someone in your life. Uh, you know, Patch American Photography is, they, they do some of the best work I think I've ever seen out of a photographer in my entire life. I, I, I love the photos that they took, our wedding photos. They did our wedding photos, um, and they, they turned out beautiful. It's just amazing work. And, I, and they really, one thing I will say about Patch American Photography is that they came to our wedding, and they did our wedding photos, yep. and they really went out of their way to make our day extra special. And they cared about, about what was going on at our wedding. I highly recommend them to anybody. Um, you know, a lot. I, I don't recommend things that uh, I haven't tried you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we don't we don't hawk stuff we haven't tried before and I'll tell you what uh patch miracle you know you know they were ab- absolutely you know they were they were fun to hang out with at the, at the wedding you know they kind of helped with tear down a little bit yeah so they definitely have their work ethic is second to none yeah they're, they're they are very focused on making your special day extra special um I highly recommend them check them out patch miracle photography also, uh, facekicktapparel.com, get your uh, custom shirts, hoodies, hats, uh, you name it, you pick it, they stick it over at uh, facekicktapparel.com. Sean Stockmeyer, his wonderful wife, Lisa, they do tremendous work over there. I love some of these t-shirts that I keep seeing. 
Uh, Alex, you just got some T-shirts done uh, from from old Sean there as well, haven't you? Yep, uh, a very special limited edition line of shirts that I made for uh, me and my friends, uh, celebrating the fact that I beat classic Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, absolutely. A, a tremendous, you know, a blessed situation there. And, uh, you know, if, if enough people demand them, I might get more made, but, uh, yep. Sean is an absolute, uh, he's an, he's an assassin. He's an absolute workhorse and, uh, you know, his, his, his quality and his product is second to none. You know, his prices are some of the best that you'll, you'll see. And a lot of wrestlers go to him for, for their gimmicks and, uh, you know, and, and the product speaks for itself. Absolutely. Uh, patch, uh, or I'm sorry, not patch miracle, uh, uh, com. Uh, check them out, get all your custom clothing, all your custom stuff. Um, excellent, excellent company to, to work with. Um, I've, I've always said good. I've had so many people have good experiences with them. And like you said, you, you got those t-shirts, the quality of shirt, um, they, you know, and, and on the other podcast, I didn't think you could hear us with Verdi. He, you know, he got shirts, his wife has trying to try geminal neuralgia, and and mm-hmm. we had a benefit show for her and the, the t-shirts that they made for those for that they were excellent they were excellent quality um i highly recommend it check it out basekickapparel.com also a big shout out to big willie dubs gaming over there uh yeah big willie dubs um doing some fun stuff he's got his his tiktok going now and man i'll tell you what the views man on that tiktok a lot of people checking out old big willie dubs i'm i'm getting impressed um, I see he's posting videos in the morning by, by the afternoon, he's got five, 600 views on these damn things. He's getting a lot of notoriety there. There's doing a lot of, uh, um, I, I believe it's uh, modern warfare stuff that coming out that they just came out with the new call of duty game. So I, I highly recommend people, uh, check that out. Uh, Will is doing a lot of fun stuff. That channel is, is super fun to, uh, to watch and, and, uh, very entertaining. It, it's cool as hell. So uh, check it out. And then the other one, Mr. Uh, I, I mean, I, I believe we went through a rebrand here. I know. Yep. Rebuild. That's right. So uh, my gaming channel uh, used to be called Condor's Gaming Corner. We are in the midst of a renovation. Uh, the name of the channel is now The Steel Twins Gaming. Yep. You know, uh, but it's still the same content. You know, it's, you know, new name. We're going to get new graphics made at some point. Uh, but voice acting is still, you know, hot and heavy as ever. Uh, you know, every Wednesday night, you know, I'm considering moving it to Tuesdays because, oddly enough, I found out that, uh, you know, Wednesday night at eight is also a AEW Dynamite. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know who's watching that program. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, um, you know, uh, Andrew and I are going through uh, what is considered to be one of the best cases, you know, the best case in the Ace Attorney series. Uh, called Bridge to the Turnabout, and uh, you know the, the fireworks are starting to go off, uh, and uh, you know they certainly went off in our last episode. We debuted the new setup, obviously. Uh, so you know every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., you know, uh, do your best to show up. You know, and I'll also uh, be working on you know making clips and you know trying to you know lure new people in. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, you guys have one of the most entertaining channels out there. I, I watch it while I'm at work. And, yep. uh, you know, chime in and harass you guys while I'm out while you're on there. So that, it's, it's provided probably some of the best moments uh, <laughs> of, of the stream when we just take a moment, take a look at the outrageous comments. It's funny. Yeah, I, I see you guys on there and I'm just like, all right, I'm just I'm going to I'm going to watch this thing. And I, I'm very entertained by your guys' channel. But I'm like, all right, I'm also just going to like just rip my brain out and throw it in the gutter. 
and <laughs> and obnoxious as possible and and have some fun with it and and I'm glad I get I get you guys laughing. I know a lot of people like and and actually it's funny we we talk about Big Willie Dubs Gaming. Will actually I uh, was watching your comment, watching the comments and watching your your channel and I watched him cracking up by the commentary and as you guys were laughing, he was laughing and we're all just <laughs> making <laughs> So, I mean, it was it was very entertaining stuff. I love watching you guys. I think it's so fun, and I think that Ace Attorney series has been some of the best stuff uh, that that I've watched. You know, it's you don't get um, you don't get retro stuff a lot on these a lot of these gaming channels. You don't get a lot of a lot of retro stuff, and you don't get get uh, uh, most people are just running around. Oh, here I'm going to play my Call of Duty, and that's what it's going to be. And you or got Fort, Fortnite, Apex, you know, all these battle royales. Yeah, you you don't get you don't get retro stuff on on a lot of these gaming channels and and uh, in this case it's awesome we we get to see a lot of retro stuff on on your guys's channel we I mean for a while it was Paper Mario for a while I I was enjoying that a lot so I mean check them out uh, uh, the Steel Twins Gaming I, I I hope you guys are just uh, having a blast over there I I fucking love it so and with that that's our show man we we've got uh, week seventeen coming up tomorrow. Yep, uh, you fired up. I mean, playoffs <laughs> on the corner. We're right here. Yep, it's uh, it's about that time. You know, I'm I'm so excited. I can't wait. One more thing, I got a shout out for. Uh, it's obviously New Year's Eve. It's the last day of the year, and it's the last show of the year. Uh, yep. definitely a lot of change and a lot of uh, you know, uh, moments here on the outside blitz. You know, um, but this you know, and obviously this afternoon, uh, you know, the college football playoff is also uh, you know upon us uh michigan and tcu to start off the festivities at four and then uh, georgia and ohio state to close out the night and close out the year ironically uh at the uh, chick-fil-a peach bowl so uh you know uh you know we're, we're gonna call i'm gonna call you know michigan and georgia you know at least i'm certainly hoping that michigan wins today uh <laughs> i would not be surprised to see the matchup of the millennium uh, the rematch of the millennium in uh, Michigan and Ohio state. Uh, but th- that's neither here nor there. So, uh, but you know, definitely plenty to be excited for. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an exciting time and, and it is new year's Eve folks. I, and, and I hope everybody has a wonderful new year. Um, yep. you know, this, this year has been something very, very special for me. Uh, obviously, you know, I, my twins were born back in May and, and, uh, we we've had some some uh, fun times here throughout throughout the uh, 2022. It's been a great year, um, a great year, a, a tiring year, but uh, I I would do it all over again. And and the outside blitz right now, like we are, so come this May in 2023. I mean, this show will be going on for almost five years. I mean mm-hmm. that it's wild, and and not a lot of podcasts get that longevity um, that that we've had, and and we've just you know trucked right through it and. Our audience has grown steadily, you know, over and over and over again. There are days where I'll log in and be like, "Wow, we got you know over a hundred plays on our on our tracks and stuff." So I mean, there there are days like that. It it happens. Um, one time I logged down, we had like three hundred plus plays. I was like, "Holy shit!" Um, I didn't realize the the amount of people that we we were reaching um, in a lot of these situations. And I'm hoping that that uh, you know we wind up uh, reaching a whole new audience in the coming years. I'm I'm proud of this podcast. I'm proud of it, and I'm I'm happy that it's it's continued onward, um, and I'm going to continue onward, you know, regardless of of anything. I mean, the outside blitz will be a part of my life. I I'm going to be on this show. I know, and Alex, I'm so glad that this year you got to join us, and, mm-hmm. and 
and be on board and, and join me as one of the co-hosts. It's it's uh, uh, made for a very entertaining time. You filled in and just made it a permanent thing, and I fucking love it. I'm totally here for it, and uh, I'm glad that you joined the show this year. That's one thing I'm super thankful for this year. Yep, I'm definitely blessed for the opportunity, and uh, you know I'm definitely learning more about just you know the ebb and flow of podcasts. I really want to get Cannonball Run off the ground. You know that's that's a goal for me in 2023. Sure. You know. Part of me wants it to be a uh, college football podcast. The other, uh, another one of them wacky pro wrestling co- podcasts. But uh, I, I still have some identity uh, to search for as far as that's concerned. But uh, I'm really excited and I'm happy to be a part of the Outside Blitz. Yeah, I appreciate you jumping in uh, this year. And, and obviously, we love having you. So uh, uh, thank you for being a part of it. And folks, um, hopefully everybody enjoys their new year. I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas. Um, please, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe out there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to reiterate this to everybody. I understand it's New Year's Eve. I understand it's party central. Uh, I understand everybody's going to be having a good time, but do yourself a favor. If you are drinking, stay the hell off the roads, please, please do everybody that favor. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I would hate to see somebody get, get injured, get, get a DUI, anything like that, get themselves in trouble. Um, Stay the hell off the roads. If you're, especially if you're drinking, get the hell off the road. And even if you're not drinking, find a shady spot and stay the hell off the road. There's a lot of idiots out there. Please, folks, stay safe tonight, for Christ's yep. sake. Okay. <laughs> and um, but thank you so much for listening. Um, enjoy your new year, folks. We will be seeing you. Our next time we will see you, it's going to be 2023 next week. So, uh, in week 18 of the NFL season, it's an exciting time. I got pulled pork on the agenda, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Alex, I know you're going to be coming down. I'm fired up. So uh, week 18 is next week. We'll see you next year, folks, right here on the Outside Blitz. Ciao. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz. And be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz. And feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.